Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy another edition of Swoop Swirl on the new Talk Story Radio Network. of Swoops World Late Night. It is Wednesday, April 22nd, 2015, which makes it Earth Day. How's it going, Peter? That's right. It is Earth Day. Going pretty good, man. How are you? Good, man. Maybe we should be uh, doing this by candlelight tonight That's or right. something like that. Look a little too romantic if we do that. Would be. <laughs> I always thought Earth Day should be uh, on the 20th. 420? <laughs> seems to make more sense to me. My 422 doesn't... 420 makes sense. 422. It's a whole lot of things, huh? I don't know. <laughs> It's all good. Well, we had a big busy night tonight. Uh, T-Bone will not be in, so uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to wing a little bit of his thing. But uh, we got Bob Case, uh, we'll be calling in, talking to Bob. We got a lot of stuff to talk about, Manny uh, Pacquiao and, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather and some books. And what's stuff the date on that one? When's that start? I think it's 10 days from today. 10 days, yeah, okay. So it's, it's uh, approaching rapidly. And, uh, of course, we have Brewski's Beer Tasting. We'll be talking to Anthony Davis and uh, all kinds of other uh, stuff. As usual, how's your week been, man? It's been uh, two weeks since we were last That's here. That's right. Yeah, it's been good. Not too bad, you know. Same old, same old. Kid, we had some. Uh, I guess no, we, had, we were here for spring break. I don't know. Not not a whole lot. Just like one of those, like take the kids here, take the kids there. Nothing, nothing too exciting to, to talk about. You did a trip though. Yeah, yeah. I went to a big conference. Uh, and, uh, well, yeah, up and it's not that far away, but uh, to Sacramento. Uh, had a good time there, and uh, you know, it was, it was good, man. Traded out some. Uh, some new uh, no eatery, new eateries that weren't there last time I was there, and hung out with some friends, and uh, you know learned a little bit about what, uh, what I went up there for. So it was all good. <coughs> it's always nice to get out of town. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it was just a couple days, and even it's not that far away. I, you know, I, I I I wavered on whether or not to take my bike or not, and uh, I probably could have, um, but it, I would have only had, like got one ride in. So it was. You drove up there? Yeah. 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 You know me, man. For some I thought you said you were going to fly. You know, I thought about it at the last second, and then the last second uh, ticket prices are just, you know, you know, it's not worth it. Yeah. By then, you know, no, there's no there's no savings or, I guess savings of time, but there's no cash savings, so, you know, it, it worked out just fine, man. <laughs> Even the time savings are, when you factor in 
you'll have to get up to get rent a car. Uh, you know, <laughs> you start factoring in how much earlier you got to get to the airport. I mean, I'm not saying you don't save any time, but you, especially if you get going early enough in the morning. My day was pretty close to the equivalent of a few people I knew that flew up there. To, mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you know, it, it, it was you know me. I don't mind driving. And I at Audible.com, man. I listened to the book all the way up and all the way back, and and I was and I wrote. I drove. I came back on a Sunday, so there was very little traffic. Uh, and I left on a weekday. Caught a little traffic going with the grapevine, but then it kind of opened up after that. So, right. Yeah, it was good. Well, it was good. Nice little trip. Very nice. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take our first break and then uh, come back and get our guests on the line. What do you think? Sounds good. You are listening to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network. And this one here is... Corey Joseph Clark. Don't let him get to you. Back after this. Well, they'll get you for doing whatever you do. Oh, they'll get you for just being you. Well, they'll get you for all that they never could do, but don't let them get to you. No, don't let them get to you. Well, it's hard enough as it is for the honest and true without somebody judging and Criticizing your every little move. Well, they'll get you for doing whatever you do. Oh, they'll get you for just being you. Well, they'll get you for all that they never could do. But don't let them get to
I'm in almost every school blessing classroom. I go to school with your children. We say the Pledge of Allegiance together. You see me around the neighborhood, and you tell me that I'm a pretty good kid. Well, I'm one out of every five children in America, and I'm struggling with hunger. This problem is closer than you think. My teacher tells me we can grow up to be whatever we want. I want to grow up to be someone who doesn't go to bed hungry. There's enough food in this country to feed everybody. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank for ways to help. Every dollar you donate helps provide eight meals for kids like me, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we are Feeding America, brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. So, Jacqueline. Yes, Mom? I wanted to talk to you about something, and... Oh, wait. Hold on. I just got a text. Oh, wait, Mom. I just got a message. So many comments on my comment. Hey, guys, check out my wait. new video game. Mom, what? Huh? Pew, pew. What'd you say? This huh? weekend, unplug. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hey, this is Sean Paul on the Wall, and you're listening to Swirl. He's in his own. Nice. Welcome back to Swoopster on the Talk Story Radio Network. We're going to be uh, contacting Bob in about five minutes, and I've uh, been chatting with him. And uh, like I said, we've got a host of things to talk to him about. Um, next week on our show, we'll be uh, uh, having a, our guest will be DJ Coleman, a singer-songwriter. He'll be calling in, and we're looking forward to chatting with him and talking to him about his music and such, and uh, great stuff like that. You got any uh, any rides lately, man? Not really. I was gonna I'm supposed to be doing one today, and uh, did something to my to my calf that really hurts a lot. So, so that kind of takes the fun out of it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I knew like yeah, I'd, I'd be in big trouble. Like yesterday, I went on a run. I. And I, I didn't even get a whole mile in, and it felt it like kind of pop. Yeah, it was a long walk back. Um, <laughs> so I was like, I definitely have to take a, the day off from the ride. But so no, not really any distance. You know, just around the town, grocery store, dropping kids off. Yeah, nothing exciting. Yeah. Nothing exciting. That's all good, though, man. I, uh, I, and I, I'm, I don't know if you know. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you do because you follow the news. But today, the, the news was. Uh, uh, Barry Bonds, his conviction. The only thing he was convicted of was overturned today by a, a well, no, I didn't hear that. judge. Yeah, so, really? Yeah, so there you have it, man. <laughs> I didn't like the guy. I, 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 tell you, I, I, I watched him play so uh, probably about. I mean, I was there watching play probably six games and. Every time was exciting. I saw him put two out of the park oh, at yeah. the stadium. No, I mean, that's, that's what I was exciting. Yeah, I didn't yeah. like him, and I didn't... He's the Kobe of... Uh... Yeah, he is. He was a jerk. <laughs> Even his own teammates didn't like him, you know. Um, but he was a great player. And as we've talked about, the whole steroids era. Yeah, he did it. And so did everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so it's... I, don't, I can't say I feel sorry for him, because I, I think he brought it on himself. But I don't think it's right that he has taken the largest brunt of it. I mean, oh, yeah. Sandy Sosa is still much beloved, right? And 
Even Mark McGuire is. A Rod's back in the game. A Rod's Mark McGuire's a coach over here yeah, at Dodger a, Stadium, yeah, right? Yes, and, he is. Um, I don't see anybody burning a, a Roger Clemens in effigy or anything like that. So it's like, again, I don't, I don't feel bad because I, I think he brought this on himself for being the jerk that he was, but I also don't think it was right. And so if he got off. Well, Unless they, everybody only, was going to get only thing they convicted, only thing they, I was, uh, instruction or something. Yeah, like only that, thing right? they convicted him of was yeah, instruction, which he was probably guilty of. Uh, you know, I mean, because he did lie about, right? I mean, I think they, they, were, they probably they were, they were asking him. Uh, I guess the question, uh, if I remember uh, the thing I was reading today, and if it was right, because I was skimming, I don't know, you know, put that out there right now. Um, but the, the question was something about uh, did this guy ever give you? Anything? Oh yeah, that was yeah. Injectable. And, uh, he said the syringe, and he just kind of, you know, wandered around. Yeah, like never that. answered it straight yeah, out. So, so they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah again, it's. <laughs> but you know, my thing is, is this is like uh, to me. That's like you know, when they file all these charges, they've got these catch-all charges. You know, and when you when you don't convict them on the big, the, the most important things, and then you you know you end up with something like that, and then. It gets overturned. Uh, you know, it's kind of a shame on you for not having your shit together, to, 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 you know, in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, like I said, uh, you know, you can't feel sorry for the guy who, uh, you know, he did real well. He oh, yeah. A ton of money, but you, like I said, he brought a lot of the, the animosity on himself because he wasn't. When your own teammates, yeah. you know, bag on you. That's, uh, uh, that's <laughs> my theory about Kobe. Yeah, <laughs> and I agree. I, I, because I can't deny his talent. The guy is a friggin' talented, uh, well, one of the best, you know, top five people, you know, I've ever seen play. But uh, what a jerk! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know that's and that's 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 he that's he got to live with that, right? Exactly. That's, exactly. So, huh? Didn't hear that though, so I didn't didn't know. Let's give Bob a call. Let me get this ready just in case, man. Mm-hmm. We are about a minute early, so. Hello. Hey, we'd like to welcome uh, Vice President of the International Boxing Association and a good friend of the show, Bob Case. How you doing, Bob? Uh, Keith, I'm doing great. How you been, buddy? <laughs> doing great, man. It's always always a pleasure to have an opportunity to talk to you about so well, many different things. And uh, I'm honored to be on your show all the time, Keith. Uh, so it's always good to hear from you. Thanks, man. Well, let's start right off with the, with, with your boxing, uh, you know, uh, expertise. We got a big a uh, big fight coming up uh, in about ten days: uh, Pacquiao and uh, Mayweather. And I, I know you. I know you. Uh, you're 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 in the boxing game, and you kind of know what's going on with people's training and stuff like that. What are you seeing here? You seeing a you seeing a good fight for us? I think it's going to be a great fight. I mean, I think you know they've been clamoring for it for over what six years now, and um, I'm so glad that it finally happened. And you know, I just think it's going to be. Um, you know, that people are saying. You know, I was with Bob Arum last week, and and you know quite a while, HBO's doing a special on Bob Ehrman, they were interviewing him, and he, they said, is this the biggest fight in history? And he said, well, is this bigger than Joe Lewis and Max Schmeling, or Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier? Or... And uh, he said, no, but he said, what is bigger is the media coverage. See, yeah. there wasn't all the media in the old days. You know, there was, do you think when Schmeling fought Lewis, you know, with Hitler watching, there was the media coverage that there is today? I mean, it's off the charts. The media, you know, everybody knows. I mean, uh, last Wednesday they had a press conference over Wild Card Gym in Hollywood, and uh, you couldn't even get in there. 
you know, I took this uh, friend of mine over there, and, and we couldn't even get in the place. You know, we it was just unbelievable. So it's like, you know, uh, it's nuts. I mean, the the place, even top rank officials couldn't get in there because the 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 uh, flo- both floors upstairs and downstairs were filled with media. And uh, you know, it's you know, it's interesting. The highest grossing fight in boxing history was 27 million when Canelo Alvarez fought Roger Mayweather or Floyd Mayweather, and this fight. Is already close to 90 million, and they haven't they, they haven't even sold the tickets yet. So and they sold 11 tickets for 250 grand a piece. If that tells you anything, how you know I tur- I had two tickets, but they were not great seats, so I'd rather see it on TV. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And sit up. You know, it's it's interesting that um, I I heard a thing today where they said uh, Pacquiao uh, he's got the highest he 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 signed a. a a contract for an advertising thing for something for his shorts. Somebody's gonna, you know, put their label on his shorts for two million dollars, and they said that was the highest anybody's ever been, ever been paid to uh, to put an advertisement on their shorts, ever. You know that I got to tell you a funny story, Keith. This is that you're right. He's getting two million for the short. Now listen to this. A guy, a friend of mine owns a Filipino restaurant, and I was down there. I went down uh, to the gym. It was a, last week with. The actor Ryan O'Neill and his son Patrick, who's a, a, a angel announcer, and they, we watched Manny train and everything. And Manny saw me, and he runs up to me, and this was all recorded on HBO. And he says, "Bob, Bob, I never forget." Listen to this: this Filipino guy in 2002 wanted me to buy Manny's trunk so he could frame him in his restaurant. So I gave Manny, this is in 2002, I gave him 500 bucks for his trunks, which my buddy, and he signed the trunks, and my buddy still got them hanging on the wall in this restaurant. And Manny never forgot it. I mean, he's made hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, and every time he sees me, he goes, I remember, Bob, you give me $500, me have nothing. I mean, he tells, and they, they actually recorded the story, that him telling me that, they recorded it on HBO the other day, which is, and he's the nicest let me just tell you this about Manny Pacquiao he's exactly the same in 2015 as he was in 2002 you know I mean he came up you know selling uh, you know selling candy on the streets of Manila and he's now you know a congressman he's a a singer they say he might be president of the Philippines soon and he's still the same down to earth sweet kid it's just the problem is Keith, I mean, it's hard to get people over there because they've closed it off. Like S- S- Sylvester Stallone was there a week or two ago, and, he, and they didn't let him watch sparring. You know what I mean? So, in other words, because they don't want people watching. This is how important this fight is. They don't want anybody seeing him spar. Do you understand right. what I'm saying? Right. The day the day that I went over there was a the day when he was doing the mitts and doing the you know the heavy bag and doing you know uh, the speed bag and all that stuff. He wasn't sparring that day, and he looked unbelievable. By the way, he was just off the charts. And Freddie said his legs are stronger now than they've ever been. He said he's, he said he's not, he was, he was, the body shots were off the charts. I mean, he's working the body. Robert Shapiro, the attorney, was sitting with us, and he said he's never seen Manny throw so many body shots. I mean, it was just off the charts. I mean, he was just amazing. So, uh, you know, I've, I've heard so many things, and Bruce Trampler said it best. I said, Bruce, and I've heard George Foreman's pick Manny, James Lights Out Tony's pick Manny, you know, uh, Muhammad Ali picked Manny to win this fight. And I asked Bruce Trampler, the matchmaker, who's a Hall of Fame matchmaker, and he's, and he's you know, did all George Foreman's fights. He did all Johnny Tapia's fights. He did all these great fights. And I, and he said, he all these great fighters, Oscar De La Hoya, 
And I said, who would you pick, Bruce, if somebody had a gun to your head? And he said, you have to think Floyd's going to win the fight, but Manny Pacquiao has the best chance of anybody in the world to beat him. And I thought that was very well said. You know. Who do you think is going to win the fight? You know, I, 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 listening to you, I might change my thoughts. Uh, I, I was thinking, I was thinking Floyd. Uh, just, just you know, he always seems to uh, find a way to win. And, right. uh, and that's that's kind of why I, I was thinking uh, thinking he had he had a big a big chance here. Uh, I do think it's going to be a great fight. Um, and um, but I, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's it's for me uh, just as a, an average spectator, too close to call. Uh, you know, with any with any amount of uh, expertise. But uh, I I, I kind of think that uh, I think Floyd always seems to find a way to win. You're right, but don't you think there's a reason that he hasn't fought Manny in six years? You know, see, this is the thing. Uh, uh, like I said, you know, I, I, I kind of, you know, from a distance paid attention to it, and, and it seemed like to me with the, the stories that were coming out was, you know, they couldn't agree on uh, on what the rules are going to be and the contract in here, and, and then sometimes that, the, the angles I would read in the stories was that, Pacquiao was dodging, and next story I would read was uh, Mayweather was dodging. And so, you know, <laughs> you have more insight into it than I do, but for me... No, I just think it's going to be, you know, I've always said great fights make great fighters, and this will be a great fight, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. you, know, you, know, you, you know, there's not going to be any loser in this fight, or any winner. You know, they're both winners, you know, as far as I'm concerned, and, and the fact that the fans are going to get to see this fight, they both win, you know what I mean? This and is the kind both, of fight, though, and, and this is the kind of fight that, you know, we talked about this in the, in the past, but back in the day, uh, regardless of what happens, you would be a, you know, you would, we'd, we'd see a rematch. Uh, yeah, I don't right. see that much. I don't see that happening too much these days with a lot of these big, big, big fights. It seems like guys are ready to move on to the next one, and, and these guys are, you know, basically getting towards the end of their career. So, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I think if, I would, you know, if it's, a, if it's a barn burner fight, you know, you don't think there wouldn't be a rematch. I mean, if it's a really, I mean, you know. It, Sometimes these really hyped-up fights turn out to be, uh, you know, not that, you know, they're overrated. And if this thing turns out to be what everybody thinks it'll be, I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's a rematch, you know. They give the public, and people are, you know, people have been clamoring for this fight for, for years now. You know, I mean, every, you know, Bob Arum said he got so, I talked to Bob the other day, and he said, I got so t- sick and tired of every time I went somewhere. I go in a restaurant and ten people come up and say, "Is the fight going to happen?" He said, he said it was. He said it was driving him nuts. You know, for you know, he's eighty-three years old now, and uh, sharp as a tack, by the way. And you know, really, uh, you know, I said some funny stuff. One of the funniest lines he said, "Who's this young actor that comes in with Floyd?" He, I mean, there's a, a, some, a singer. What's his name? Justin he, Bieber. Yeah, that's it. Okay, Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber. This is one of the greatest lines I ever heard. Uh, they had uh, this, and Bob said this on the camera. They said, "What do you? Why do you think Floyd's undefeated?" And he said, "Well, this kid that comes in with him, Justin Bieber, he said his opponents look at Justin Bieber and think that's who they're going to fight." <laughs> that's what they're but uh, you know, which I thought was a good line. You know? I mean, you wonder what what in the hell is Justin Bieber doing in there? You know uh, what I mean? Good question. <laughs> It's a question that everybody asked when they saw him walk, uh, enter the ring with him or enter the, uh, the the arena with him last time. Oh yeah, well, Bob Arum said they had the big uh, red red carpet press conference down in Hollywood, you know, and uh, you know there was thousands of people there from all over the country, the world actually, 
And Bob Arum says, here's the promoters there, you know, both promoters and the trainer, Freddie Roach, and the and the fighters, both fighters are there. And then all of a sudden, there's Justin Bieber <laughs> out of nowhere. Like, Bob Arum said, what in the hell is he doing there? You know what I mean? But, uh, Good question. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you just mentioned somebody that I want to I chat with you about a little bit. Freddie Roach, uh, that, he's been, a, been a, a name in the game for a long time, and, and that gym... Uh, a lot of, lot of, uh, lot of fighters have come out of there, huh? You know something, I, uh, I took some friends down there in the, the, the last week, and I told them the history of that place. It's, you know, I mean, everybody from Muhammad Ali to Mike Tyson to uh, everybody's trained there. You know, every fighter. I mean, the, the, it, and it's in a crummy part of town. That there's a, the place was a strip club upstairs. There's a cat house on one side. There's a, an AA parlor down below it. And, uh, you know, for alcoholics, and, and it's, you know, it's like, it, but the place has got character. You, know, you walk in and there's character. You know, you can walk in that place and see anybody there. You, know, you can walk in one day and see Robert Duvall. You can see uh, Sly Stallone there. You can see, you know, I mean, it's, it's like the place is just crawling with, uh, uh, you know, boxers, but it's a great place. And Freddie Roach is one of the dearest. He's been a dear friend of mine for many, many, many years. And uh, he trained my fighter, Johnny Tapia, and we loved him. And Johnny, you know, he's a Hall of Fame trainer. I mean, think about it. He's the youngest man to ever. I inducted Freddie in the World Boxing Hall of Fame, and I was honored to be the guy to induct him. And he's been in, he's in the uh, International Boxing Hall of Fame. He's in the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. He's in every Hall of Fame you can be in. And he was the youngest trainer to ever be inducted. You know, he's still, I think, only like 54 or 55, and he's battled Parkinson's, but he's 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 as tough as anybody that I ever knew. I mean, he had. He had a bad back in the last month, and he's had to go in for like seven epidurals, you know. Mm. And he doesn't complain about it. He doesn't, you know. He went to Macau, China, to for this uh, uh, world champion flyweight he had. And I told, I said, Freddie, don't take the trip. Don't take the trip. Your back's killing you. He says, Bob, I got to show up for my fighter, you know. And that's the kind of guy Freddie's always been, you know. He's and he's and he has, you know. Just like I told you about Ernie Banks when they said he died. Al, my friend Alba Bullfarar was interviewed by a reporter, and they said. What did you think of Ernie Banks? And he said, you'd never know he hit a home run. And Freddie Roach, you know, he's won trainer of the year seven times. Yeah. And I think uh, Ali's trainer, Angelo Dundee, is the only other trainer that's won it more than once, and he won it twice. And, and Freddie's still young, and if he wins this fight, he'll be the trainer of the year for the eighth time. Yeah. You know, so you, you look at what he's done and the people he's trained. I think he's trained 36 world champions, you know. Everybody from Mike Tyson to Johnny Tapia to, you know, Oscar De La Hoya to, you know, Michael Moore to, I mean, you can go on and on and on. And, and I've never heard a fighter that didn't like him. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know how tough he has to be with the, the, the Parkinson's thing? And, and, you know, the great thing is he's in there doing the mitts with the guys. You know, he, he's, he's not afraid. He doesn't have, you know, he has a little kid, Marvin, a little Filipino kid that helps him. But he's, he's doing, he's as tough as nails, you know. And yeah. uh, I just, he's from South Boston. You know, the Irish whole thing back there is all South Boston. Freddie was the greatest amateur fighter that the, the city of Boston ever saw. His whole family fought. His dad fought. His brothers fought. And, you know, so... What uh, you know? We, we you, you know we, we hear the same names over and over and over when it comes to the trainers and these champions. Uh, it, what makes a great trainer? I mean, do they are they have an eye for picking out talent or talent brought to them? Or are they are they? Uh... Well, Freddie was a great. You know, I have always said a great trainer. There's a lot of trainers that really never boxed. You know what I mean? Where Freddie was a great little fighter. He was ESPN's most popular fighter in the decade of the '80s. But the key thing is, he he. he his mentor 
was the great Eddie Futch. And Eddie Futch is the only trainer in boxing history to train five heavyweight champions. He trained Muhammad Ali, Trevor Burdick, Larry Holmes, Joe Frazier, and in other words, he and, and Riddick Bowe. And you know, so you look at Eddie Futch. That was that was Freddie's mentor and his trainer. So you know, you wonder where Freddie picked it up. And Freddie, you know, he looks. You know, Eddie wanted Freddie to quit before he did. You know, I've always said, "What good is money if you can't count it?" And Eddie wanted. Uh, Freddie to quit before he didn't. Freddie wishes he had quit a couple fights early. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's been battling this Parkinson thing, but he doesn't have it, you know, as bad as a lot of guys I know that fought have it. You know, he, he's still, you know, he, Freddie. Like I said, he's a a tough guy and a and a beautiful human being. One of the one of the nicest people I've ever known. You know, he's been a dear friend of mine. He's on my A list of friends. You know what I mean? I just I do anything for Freddie. Nice. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's, uh, let's move on to a little baseball. Well, you and I were, were chatting a little bit ago, and you were, you were telling me about some new books coming out. And, and uh, we talked about Gene Mock, and I, and I remember him when he was, when he was managing the Angels. Uh, and you said there's a new book coming out to him. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, yeah, there's a, a, a former uh, San Diego Padres uh, radio announcer, and he'd been with some, quite a few other teams. Uh, his name is uh, uh, Mel Proctor. He's writing, he, he wrote a book on Gene Mock called... Uh, uh, the little general, uh, the Gene Mock story, and uh, it's coming out next week, and uh, it'll be everywhere in all the stores and everything. And you know, he interviewed me a lot about Gene Mock because I knew Gene most of his life, and so I knew Gene since I was 12 years old. And we, you know, I knew him all the years I worked for Casey Stengel, and all the years I was in baseball working for the Angels before that and managing players and everything. He was just a great guy, a great guy. And I've always said Gene Mock, you know, the thing that made him great. People always ask me, who are the greatest managers? I said, Casey Stingle's the greatest manager, but the guy closest to him was Gene Mock, and I'll tell you why. He was never in the World Series, but Gene Mock could make an eighth-place team a fifth-place team. He could make a sixth-place team a third-place team. In other words, he never had the talent, and you know he was you know criticized for that 64 Philly collapse in 1964. He used to get angry because they'd always say, the newspapers would say, Gene Mock, comma, 64 Phillies. And he said, how many years are they going to keep bringing that up? He would always tell me till the day he died. And, uh, but the bottom line is that 64 Philly team shouldn't have even been in the running. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right. He made them all, uh, you know, great stuff, great teams. And, uh, you know, they just, uh, he was just a great guy and a great manager. And all the players have respect for him. I mean, you talk to Boone, the catcher. You talk to Rod Carew, uh, who was a client of mine, and all these different players. They have great respect for Gene Mock. You know, everybody in baseball that were on the inside say he was one of the, the greatest managers in baseball history. But will he ever be in the Hall of Fame? I don't know because they don't. You got to win World Series to go to the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's interesting, and, and, and we're going to talk about Casey Stingle a little bit too. But when, when you, you talk about, you know, we're talking about uh, uh, boxing trainers and you know, baseball managers, and, and, and guys that achieve uh, at that level. Uh, you know, as leaders, uh, you know, leaders of men, so so to speak. Uh, what, what's their biggest attribute? Are they are they great motivators, or, or, or are they great instructors, or, or is there a combination of both? I mean, you've you've seen you've seen this in a variety of sports. You're, you're you know you're you're on the on the ground on the ground floor there. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think most of them, but most of the good guys, I mean, that I've seen have have a you know like Gene Mock played twenty something years of baseball, ten years in the big leagues. Casey Stingle played 14 years in the major leagues, played in three World Series. You know, uh, Freddie Roach, you know, fought, you know, 
four or five Hall of Famers, Hector Camacho and Bobby Chacon, and, you know, it was a great, great fighter. And, you know, so you, they have the foundation, They and, and they worked. You know, Casey Stingle had a guy named John McGraw as his mentor, you know, and Wilbert Robinson. These are Hall of Fame managers. Mm-hmm. So he played under them. So he learned tricks from all the managers. And the same thing, you know, Freddie Roach, you know, had... Eddie Futch training him, you know, and so he learned all these things from the great Eddie Futch, who's a Hall of Fame trainer. So you get, and you go Gene Mock, you know, he had he played for a, you know, some brilliant managers, you know. I mean, he played in years and years and years. He played for Bob Shuffing with the Los Angeles Angels, and he played, you know, he he always told me his favorite years in baseball, and he played in the big leagues for ten years. Was out here with the '56 Angels in the Pacific Coast League, you know. He said that was he played there three or four years with Steve Bulk, and he said that was the greatest time he had in baseball, you know. Every, Every time I'd see him, he'd want to talk about the about the Coast League days, not about the Big League days. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that so, is interesting. Yeah. And, and you know, his his uh, nephew was Roy Smalley. You know, his uh, that played for the Minnesota Twins. That was Gene's nephew, and he later managed him. Wow. You know, it, it's you, we always hear a lot of, a lot of uh, a lot of stories about uh, athletes, uh, you know, not who play in the big leagues uh, for any period of time. Lots of times, don't make good coaches or good managers. Uh, a lot of times they say they, they don't have the, the ability to, to uh, pass on that, you know, the, 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 the knowledge. Uh, they know what they need to do. They expect other people to, kn- to know what to do. And so there is a rare breed out there that, that do know how to, to, to take what they've learned and, and, and emulate some of the, some of the leaders that they, that they followed and they've been able to be successful on, on the coaching level after, they, after their playing careers. Well, I think, you, you know, you hit on it, uh, Keith. I, I think the best managers are, are guys – that where things didn't come to him easily, you know. They were Gene Mock was a scrapper, so was Casey Stingle, so was Freddie Roach as a boxer. You know, they, things they didn't come to him. You know, sometimes when everything comes to you easily, you don't you don't learn the fundamentals. You don't learn the little the little intricacies of the game. You know, you don't learn all this stuff. You know, it's like, uh, you know, you just don't uh, really see what's going on. You know, I mean, it's and and that's what kind of builds a foundation. You know. And, and like Freddie Roach, he's not going to let some fighter take too many punches because right. he's been there. He's taken the punches. If you've got some guy training a guy that's never taken a punch, you know, he, they're saying, I see some of these trainers, go out there and get him, go out there and get him. Is he thinking about the fighter? He's thinking about himself as a trainer. Yeah. He's not thinking about this poor kid that's getting his ass kicked. You know what I mean? So, you know, I've been around every kind of, you know, why do you think they call boxing the red light district of sports? I've been around every kind of sleazeball in the world in the sport, but there's also there's also some beautiful people in the sport. You know, like Eddie Futcher was a dear friend of mine, and Freddie Roach is a dear friend. I mean, some great people. So, you know, and that's what you want to stick with, the winners, What no matter what, what profession you choose. You know, you know I, I remember, uh, you know, back when I was a kid, uh, and it didn't happen a lot, but I can remember a few fights that I was watching with my dad and whatnot, where the, uh, the, uh, the, the manager or the, uh, the trainer or the fighter actually threw in the towel. Uh, he thought his uh, fighter had taken enough punches and, uh, and, and, and waved, the, you know, waved the flag or threw in the towel, whatever they want to call it. Um, oh, I haven't seen that in years. And, uh, is that because uh, guys have gotten better? Uh, they're more, oh, they're, they still do it once in a while. You know, they'll, you know, you, you, if you see your fighter really take it, you know, I've always said it's, a, it's the accumulation of blows. Keep one shot, like Manny Pacquiao took one shot from from Juan Manuel Marquez. And my, I thought it killed him. Freddie Freddie Roach told me last week that he thought Manny was dead. Wow. That's his trainer thought he was dead. Yeah. He said he, he said he was shook up. I mean, it shook Freddie up. But that was one shot. The accumulation of blows is what what 
gets guys in trouble. You know, it's accumulation of blows, bang, bang, bang. But when you see a guy taking a lot of head trauma shots like that, that's what kills him. You know, and the other thing is not making the weight. When guys don't make the weight, they're, you know, Johnny Tappy used to tell me every day, he'd say, hey, Bopper, making the weight's harder than the fight. And, and making the weight is harder than the actual fight because the only time you don't have to make the weight is if you're a heavyweight. A heavyweight can be 300 pounds and fight a guy 250. Where every other weight class, all 16 classes, if you're a bantamweight, you've got to be 118. If you're a lightweight, 135. So these guys starve for weeks before the fight. Yeah. And then we, we, we would take Johnny out and get him hydrated right after the weigh-in. We'd take him out and put IVs in him. And then, you know, we'd go out and, uh, you know, because these guys, and when you don't, like Jimmy Garcia was killed in the ring at Caesar's Palace. I saw, I was at the fight, and Gabe Ruelas killed him. Yeah. And Jimmy Garcia had a struggle making the weight. And when you don't make the weight, there's no liquid around your brain. There's a liquid around your ba- brain when you're hydrated. When there's when you don't make the weight, there's no liquid there, and the the brain hits the walls, and that's what knocks people off. You know that's why you know. Making the weight is very, very important. It's, wow. it's, it's uh, very important. Wow. Um, is that similar to what happened? Uh, who's that guy that uh, Boom Boom Mancini fought? Uh, oh, Dooku, Dooku Kim. Kim, yeah. Yeah, Boom Boom's a friend of mine. He lives in Kent in, in uh, Youngstown, Ohio. And you want, you want to hear an interesting thing? That fight made the cover of Sports Illustrated yeah. when he killed Dooku Kim. And do you know that the rarest thing in sport would probably go for 50 grand? You know that Henry, I mean, Boom Boom Mancini has never autographed one of those Sports Illustrated covers. I'm not surprised. I, I saw a yeah. special on him uh, probably about eight months ago, and uh, he basically said, you know, that was uh, that was devastating to him. And oh uh, yeah, a lot of these guys are now. Hey, Sugar Ray Robinson, the great Sugar Ray Robinson, and uh, there's a lot of guys that. Even Gabe Ruelas, you know, they were never the same after they killed somebody. Yeah. In other words, Sugar Ray Robinson had nightmares. He killed an Irish guy. I, I forget his name, uh, but he killed him, and he, and, he, and he had nightmares about it the rest of his life. You know, and, he, and what happens is you have to have that toughness. If you kill a guy, some guys lighten up, and they're not the same fighter. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, uh, it's, you know, it's really nobody wants to kill anybody. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, that's, that's rough. That's rough. And that's the thing about boxing. You're going there trying to really destroy your opponent. Yeah. You, uh, you, uh, you were interviewed uh, as part of the, the book coming out on Casey Stingle. Um, that, is that uh, due to be released uh, soon? Yeah, that's going to be out. Marty Appel, who was a New York Yankee publicist, and he's written 18 books. Larry King, he's written one on the, the announcer Larry King and Thurman Munson, and tons of great, but Tom Seaver, the great Hall of Fame pitcher. He's been interviewing me. He calls me up, and I talked to him this week, and he's, Casey was born in 1890, and he said, I'm up to 1949 when he, when he was, and he's, and, you know, Casey passed away in 1975, and and he, you know, was really, uh, this guy, he's writing a 400-page book. And he said, he said, you know, I mean, it'll really be a big book. I mean, it, it, this guy's an accomplished, I'm so glad that a guy, I mean, Casey's, as I told you before, has had 25 books written on him in his life. And this guy's, you know, one, probably one of the most accomplished writers and very respected in baseball, in all areas of baseball. And um, so I'm, you know, really glad that they're, that they're giving Casey a tribute like that, you know, with a 400-page book. 
And people are Yankee nuts. You know that. So <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, he's considered the greatest manager in baseball history, and he was also a New York Yankee, you know, along with Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle. And he managed Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle and Yogi Berra and all the great players. So, And he was a character, as I told you before, you know, just a beautiful love him. Do you uh, do you still follow baseball? I like baseball? characters. So. Oh yeah, do you still follow baseball much? Yeah, I, I follow it much now. You know, I, I still follow it and everything, but not. You know, they're not the character. The, the characters are gone. The, guy, the old yeah. guys used to drink and smoke and stay out all night and have fun. Now it's more. You know, guys are going to their trainers and they're. they're you know, they're they're throwing so much money around now. You got to really take it seriously. You know what I mean? You can't be. <laughs> these guys. These guys probably go to bed at ten o'clock at night. <laughs> you know, they're in the gym working out and everything. You know, it's a, it's it's a different game today, but it's still the same rules and it's still a great game. And there's some really good young players. Like I love this Mike Trout. I love uh, Clayton Kershaw, and I think this Yasiel Pugue, the place for the Dodgers, the Cuban, I think if he ever puts it together, he could be terrific, you know. So I uh, I took my grandson down there, and, uh, you know, it's, it was terrific. You know, when you speak about characters, uh, you know, even the, even, even the manager's gotten kind of a, a mainstream now. I, or, you know, like I, we, as we spoke before, I used to lo- love to watch the Billy Martins and uh, what's it, Pin- uh, Pin- uh, Lou Pinella and Tommy Lasorda. It's Tommy Lasorda. And, and oh, yeah, guys, yeah, but you yeah. see, that's what we talked about. You know, you know what, in my opinion, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, is Bruce Bokey is an old-school manager. You know, he's an ex-catcher, he, he likes to go out with the guys, he and Sabian, the, the general manager, have their vodka together, and they drink, and they have fun, and the players love him, and think about it, he's won three world championships in the last five years with three different teams, basically. So, you know, I mean, this guy is a, a really a terrific manager, you know, and he's loved by the players. They, he's a player's manager, yeah. and there's not many of those guys. Charlie Manuel, the manager the Phillies, he was a player's manager, you know. There's not many of the Jim Leland was a Tiger manager. He was an old school Oh, yeah, manager. Jimmy Leland. Yeah, yeah, he liked to smoke his cigarettes and have fun and go out. But there's mo- a lot of the managers now are just strictly company employees, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, they're, they're, you know, like a base spot in a base wall, you know, some of these guys. You know, now, Manningly is a wonderful guy. You know, I've met Don quite a few times. Wonderful guy, super guy. He was an ex-superstar player for the New York Yankees. And he's doing great, and he's respected, he's liked. He doesn't act, he doesn't big-league the players and act like an asshole, you know. So you, 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 those are the kind of managers, and he's great with the fans and the media and everything. Right. And that's, those are the kind of managers you root for, you know. Exactly. Well, uh, as as always, uh, every time we talk to you, we, we end up uh, talking. Have you talked to our boy AD lately? Uh, we will be, we will be talking to AD at about nine twenty five. And uh, I got to tell you a funny story. I had <laughs> I had lunch with him, uh, or down in Malibu maybe a couple weeks ago, and he's what a I mean he's he's you know we, we saw this. He checked out this beautiful brown name, Kristen Jamin, and he, and he went nuts. You know, he's still chasing the beautiful girls and looking around, and and, 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 and it's like he walks in, the, he walks in the place, and everybody, you know, you know how popular he is. Oh know? yeah, I mean they got billboards of him. You seen those? Yeah, I've seen the billboards, man. <laughs> well, you know, well deserved. As as we say here in the show, uh, as I say quite frequently. You know, arguably the best athlete to ever set foot on the campus over there at SC. I mean, he's, he's a five-time national champion. He's an All-American. Uh, the things he's done on, on the gridiron and in the baseball field, you know, just kind of been unmatched uh, by, by any. And he's, he's broken, you know, he set records that still stand. So it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's great to see him get recognized, uh, at least in the public. Uh, I think sometimes 
and I could say it, I, you know, and I, don't, and I don't know if he agrees, but I think sometimes it seems like the school is selling them short a little bit. So, uh, at least when I uh, sound off, uh, you know, this this is you know my my voice uh, as a as a friend as a fan before I was a friend, and um, you know I like to see some more done for him uh, over there. You know, that's just kind you of know, thanks for you know he, he's you know I'm going to tell you something. A lot of a lot of the right kind of people really love AD and are behind him. You know, and. Uh, you know, I mean, I I told you, you know, some of the stuff. We talked earlier about some of the mis, you know, people, you know, we know what he's a beautiful person. He's intelligent. He's articulate. He did his own TV show for years on, you know, what was that Alexis Gauntlet show, you know, and uh, he was he was very popular, you know, and people love him. You know, they gravitate to him. He's been in movies. He's done. You know, worked with Charlton Heston. He just didn't he just finish a movie with Will Smith? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's great, you know. And I'm glad to see him getting breaks because, uh, you know, I've I've known this guy since 1970, and he's just a great guy. I mean, you know, he's, and he's never changed. He's always the same guy, you know. And he's just, you know, a character as we <laughs> talked about. <laughs> well, you, you you got your ear to the ground. What's what's happening over at SC these days? I, I think since we last talked, uh, and we we mentioned on our show, and Peter and myself and T Bone talked about the fact that. Uh, uh, Pat Hayden, athletic director, uh, he chose not to attend a, a meeting uh, in Indiana uh, because he was unhappy with a law they signed, which as, a, as an individual, we said everybody has the right to do, but uh, as an employee, uh, are you, are, do you have the right to do that? So we kind of, we, we, we bantered that about, but uh, what's been happening? Uh, what are your thoughts on what's happening over at the, on the campus these days? Football season's uh, coming up on us rapidly. Well, you know, I think uh, Keith, they're going to have a great season this year. You know, I mean, uh, I know they got. I heard somebody told me today that the coach is going through a divorce, and there's other things going on. And this, you know, it seems like Hayden has made more negative crap away from football off the headlines. You know, I mean, you know, in other words, if you're paying a guy two plus million a year to be the athletic director for the University of Southern California and represent the football team and all the other teams and the students. You know, if your son is gay, what does that have to do with representing the football team? You know, in other words, you know, that, that's a personal issue, you know. Right. And I understand he's a proud father of a gay son. That's great. But what, what does that have to do with the, 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 the hundred players that play football there and all the other sports when you're supposed to go back to uh, Pearson where you're not going to go there in Indianapolis because they, well, I don't I, what was what did they do something about against gays or something I don't I don't even know how that worked but I I just thought why would he not go there because his son's gay I, it doesn't make sense to me well I don't I, the, 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 I don't know the all the politics of the, of the, of the law apparently it's some kind of a, a religious freedom law and, and some people take it to mean one thing. And you have two two sides on that issue, but the, one of the things was is that I heard is that it's a similar law is uh, in, in what what did we hear Peter at six or seven other states or whatever, um, but you know th that that aside, uh, you know, and I understand people you know want, you know want to make a point, as individuals. But, uh, you know, if your job dictates you being somewhere, that's well, that was fact, my question. I mean, he was the quarterback at USC, and in 1973, they went and played at Georgia Tech when they wouldn't serve a lot of blacks in restaurants. Did he not, did he not go to the game because they didn't serve blacks in restaurants? In other words, if, 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 you, if you don't, I don't understand what, what that has to do with SC. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, I, yeah, that was. That but I, but other than that, I think the team is. I'm real excited. I mean, they got some great players. I mean, this Adoree Jackson is going to be. A, he's a great kid, and this, you know, the Kevon Seymour. They've got so many great defensive backs. 
I think their defensive line's the weak spot. You know, I think that's where they need some help. But uh, they lost. They lost a couple of. Couple but Leonard Williams, yeah. you know, he's going to be like the first or second player taken in the draft. Right. And, you know, they, but I mean, I, I think uh, Kessler will do good, and they got that other kid backing him up who's real good, and they've got you know some great wide receivers. I think that's one of their and the offensive line should be good. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And they you know they start off playing Arkansas State and a couple uh, tomato cans, but uh, the bottom line is you know I think they should win ten games this year. I'd be shocked if they didn't. You know, so there's a lot of good stuff happening over there. You know, there really is. Uh, you know, I just think I think they got a lot of talent, and as we talked about. It's the brand, SC. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, they seem to attract talent. You know, they got a couple of great running backs. Uh, one of them is named Davis, who's supposed to be terrific. I mean, they got three good running backs. So they're and they well, they got this Justin uh, number twenty-two that plays for them now. It's real good. But you know, I, I think they're really going to be good. I, I, I'm I'm looking forward to the season. Me too. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, Dory Jackson. I, that kid's a, he's basically a human highlight film. Uh, the things he does he, are remarkable. I'm going to tell you something, Keith, and I've been—you know how long I've been around the program and around SC. This kid—you only get kids like this once in a while. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, this kid can do everything. I mean, he—he's a track star. He's—I mean, he can play defense, offense. He can—you know—you saw him. He caught touch. He can run back kickoffs for touchdowns. He can catch touchdown pants, and he—he he could be a—you a, know—a first pick in the draft as a defensive back. You know what I mean? So you—the kid's got the whole thing. You know, he's—he's he's just terrific, and it's. You know that's God given. You know, and he and he's and he works hard. You know, he's a wonderful kid. I I'm heard. glad he's still there. I I I, I feared he was going to declare himself eligible after no, the he last can't. season. He, <laughs> I think I think this, this is his. Uh, this will be his sophomore year. So he's still got two more years there. Good, good, good. Yeah, he's a. So he's, imagine what he'll be as a junior. You know, exciting I mean, to watch. Uh, oh my God! It's you know it's exci- that's what keeps us going. You know, excitement. You know, so you know. It's like, he came out of Florida, right? No, he, he originally he was. I think he was from St. Louis, but he went to Sarah High School here in in you know for for uh, Scott Altenberg is the coach down there. Mm-hmm. Kurt Altenberg, his dad used to be the uh, wide receiver at UCLA back in the '60s. But Scott has put on a lot of you know, you know how many players they got out of Sarah High School: Robert Woods, Marquise Lee, uh, Dory Jackson, just to name a few. George Farmer, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so many great players out of that high school. Do we do we uh, you know we, we had a conversation with AD a while back whether or not uh, you know Southern, Southern California used to feed you know feed SC and, and, and UCLA uh, you know frequently then things picked up and we were losing a lot of players to uh, Oregon and, and Washington and stuff like that you think uh, uh, we're getting back strong uh, recruiting locally I absolutely do I think you know I mean. You know, as you guys so eloquently said, it's the brand. I mean, SC's got, you know, these kids have grown up seeing Lendell White and Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart and Carson Palmer, and they're hearing about all this stuff, and they and, and it's the, the, the White Horse and, you know, Anthony Davis, they hear about all these great players, and, you know, so they, it, they're, they're attracted to USC, you know. They're attracted to the Coliseum and 90,000 people screaming, and they're attracted to Los Angeles and the beauty and the beach and the... You know the gorgeous girls and all the stuff. You know it's 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 we're in L.A. Man, we're not in Boston. <laughs> we're not in Boston. We're not in. Uh, you know, would you want to go to Notre Dame and freeze your tail off back there? And you know, I mean, it's like you know, it's you know, these kids today don't know who the Gipper was. They don't know who uh, you know Paul Horning was or the you know the Four Horsemen. They know about what's current and and SC. You know, if you look at Oregon now, you look at all the other. 
universities. You saw what was going on at Penn State. There's a, there's a guy molesting kids for 10 years, and they overlooked that, and they gave him back all their wins and, and gave Paterno back all his wins. You saw what was going on at Miami. The Shapiro guy was getting abortions, taking the players out in the yachts and getting them laid, and all the crap that was going on there, giving them money, doing this. And then they, they, they got their stuff all taken back. And then they throw the death penalty at SC because Reggie Bush's stepfather, who's now divorced from his mother, buys a house 250 miles from campus, how is Pete Carroll supposed to know about that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Takes money from an agent. It's ridiculous. What they, they, had it on, they had it in for SC, and that's what still upsets me, that they haven't done anything about it. And, uh, and that's another one of the reasons I'm upset with the leadership, that they never really attacked the NCAA, because everybody knows now it's real clear. It's easy for, for Hayden to get on the thing now and say, oh, we want Reggie Bush back on the campus. Oh, yeah? Why didn't you want him back two years ago? You know what I mean? You want him back now because, it, you, but where were you in this whole thing? You know what I mean? He, they should have fought this thing tooth and nail, in my, yeah. my opinion. And I knew SC, some high-powered attorneys, that said they would have taken the case for nothing. You follow me? Yeah. So you know, but it is you know, it's like I like I keep telling you, you know, there's certain things that go on, and certain you know, look at Oregon. You don't think that's a recruiting edge? Now, what young kid in the ghetto wouldn't want to go to Oregon where there's 10,000 helmets and uniforms and different colored uniforms and all this gear they give the players because Nike owns uh, Phil Knight's an Oregon guy. Yeah. Are you kidding me? You don't think that's an, a recruiting advantage? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but they don't say anything about that, do they? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, all it takes all it takes for me to get really excited about see was I was a little bitty kid watching uh, Tommy Trojan run around the field there on that white horse. I was, I was locked in. <laughs> how, hey, Keith, how old were you when AD, would you remember AD doing his thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, I watched him play all the time. I was in high school then. Yeah. Were you? You were going to Artesia playing linebacker, am I right? <laughs> yeah, yes, I was. And running back. I played both ways for uh, oh, one good, season. Oh, yeah. good, So it was, it was good. All good. Well, you know, I, I, as you know, I think the world, I'm a fan of Keith, and I love the dreads, too. So. <laughs> well, Bob, as always, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be able to have a chance to chat with you and, and talk to you. And uh, let's, uh, let's, get, let's, talk, let's talk again after that fight, and we'll, we'll get your, uh, we'll get your Keith, expertise. Keith, it's always on. an honor to be on your show, and, and, and God bless you and, and the whole group. Thank you. You too. Thanks a lot, Bob. Okay. Ciao. Bob Case, everybody. It's always, uh, like we said, it's always a good time having a chance to chat with Bobby. He's got the he's got the inside scoop on so many different things, and we like to we like to hear what he has to say about him. You're listening to Swoops World on the Talkstar Radio Network. We're going to take a quick break and uh, be coming back for a little brewskis. This is Josh D'Amigo, and this is called If I Had a Dollar. Back after this. If I had a dollar Well, I'd spend it all on you And I'd buy you all the things That you've grown accustomed to Cause if I had a dollar I'd waste every cent on you But until I have a dollar I hope my heart will do If I had a quarter Well I'd take you to the mall Let you try on all the dresses Look so pretty in them all If I had a quarter 
I'd waste every cent on you Until I have a quarter Well, I hope my heart will do Welcome to Our World Today. What's your question? Our continents make up 29% of the Earth's surface, meaning that 71% is comprised of water. Man automatically adapts to environmental conditions. So why do I need to take swimming lessons? Are you ready for kids who eat healthy? Good nutrition can lead to great things. To find out how a healthy lifestyle can help your child succeed, go to MyPyramid.gov. Brought to you by the Ad Council and USDA. For a little ride. Now you can share the topics that drive the discussions of your favorite talk shows with TalkStream Live's topic-driven talk radio. We gotta talk. Let's take a drive. List and promote real-time talk radio topics or post the topics that you want to hear. Hot topics are tweeted and retweeted and include simple click-to-listen audio links. The future of talk radio is topic-driven talk radio. Well, that's what I call real drive. Available now at TalkStreamLive.com. 
Talk Story Radio. This is Raspin Stewart. You're listening to Swoop's World. We started out so innocently. We learned to take what we need. Forgive us for our greed. Let's dance. We smoke the hookah and dance. We smoke the hookah and dance. It's time for Brewskies, our beer tasting segment right here at Swoops Road Late Night, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. So grab yourself a glass, pour yourself a brew, and join us right now for Brewskies, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. Well, happy Wednesday, and uh, once again we've come to the, the mean meat part of the show. The important part here where we drink beer officially. Uh, tonight we're drinking. Well, they pay us to drink yeah, that's beer. That's right. That's <clears throat> uh, what the show's all about. You forget about Anthony Davis, that guy. It's beer. Just kidding there. Just direct all those letters to swoop. All right. Hurricane Deck, double IPA. That's what we're drinking today. And this is from Figueroa. Mountain Brewing Company. They're out of Buellton, California. And uh, here's what they have to say about their own brew. Again, Hurricane Deck. Uh, I don't know why they're calling it Hurricane. We don't get any hurricanes here. Well, you know. But when I first saw it, I thought, oh, that must be from Florida. Or what's, what's the name of the brewery again? Something like that. Uh, uh, it's Figueroa Mountain. Established in uh, 2010. Anyhow, Buellton. Here's what they have to say about their own Got it? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Uh, we got people in the chat room. I got to check into this. <laughs> All right. It says, Hurricane Deck is a hoppy, aggressive India pale ale designed with hop heads in mind. We blend four hops to create, recreate the ruggedness and intensity of the trail. Columbus, Centennial, Chinook, and Cascade. So that's right up our alley. Uh, we're, we're definitely hop heads. Uh, 8% alcohol uh, by volume. And... Um, you know, decent, decent enough label. Yeah, I'm still not getting the, the whole thing about the uh, hurricanes in California. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe when I taste it, it'll make more sense. <laughs> that's Maybe. what we're drinking tonight. <laughs> Salute. Right. Salute. Go ahead. Um, I don't know about this one. Um. It's not as hoppy as I'd hoped. Not nearly. Um, and I'm sure there's plenty of hops in there. Uh, but this definitely is an IPA that uh, is heavy on the malt as well, which I do like. But this one's not quite in balance, I think. I, I'm sensing it's a bit on the sweet side, which some people might like that. For me, that's a, it's a faux pas when it comes to IPAs. So uh, <laughs> let me take, some, take another taste here. Mm. Not a bad brew, but... It's a double IPA. Yeah, it's a double IPA, which sometimes those are a little sweeter because uh, just how they brew them, they, they use the kind of hot... Uh, they they uh, increase malt content to get a higher alcohol content, and depending on which malts you use, you'll end up with a, a slightly sweeter brew. And uh, it's not bad. I mean, I like it, but I, I, I'm not a... I can't say I love it. Uh, I'm kind of with you on it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not offensive. Uh, no. And it's... Uh, here the thing is, <laughs> um, 
Hang on. Um, what I what I did notice about it is it's a little bit sweeter than I expected. Mm -hmm. um, it's not as hoppy as I expected, uh, but it does have it does, it does have a, a, a punch of malt. Not a you know not it's not malty, but mm -hmm. it's got a punch of malt uh, more so than a, a hop to me. Yeah. Um, I think for me is the the, the title of it, the, the double IPA. I, I, to me, it, it doesn't taste like a double IPA. Right. Um, but it's 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 not a bad tasting beer. It's no. it's a little sweeter than something I, yeah. I normally would drink. Yeah. You know, and thinking about it, it, this is probably closer to what a true IPA is. India Pale Ale was a was basically a, a pale ale that was heavily hopped. Right. So it did have a fairly. Uh, so I think it's more of a personal, from at least in my case, personal preference. I mean, I I like the way the California IPAs have gone, where the big hops, real clean, sharp finishes, and this doesn't have that. Um, so it just depends. I think it's more it just depends on what you expect in an IPA or a double IPA, uh, besides alcohol content. Uh, you know, good. But not in the great category. Decent, yeah. decent made it's, beer, it's, though. It's a decent beer, and you know what? I think uh, I think a lot of people would like this beer. Yeah. Uh, I think what we what we are used to, what we prefer here uh, in uh, in Studio A, uh, mm -hmm. is a little bit uh, is something with a, a lot more hops. And we yeah. sometimes we have guests who say, you know, I, I don't like those IPAs that are super hoppy, super sharp. This yeah. is probably an IPA for those people who who like a, a big beer, but not necessarily. Uh, Super heavy on the hops. Would you call this a girly bear? I wouldn't call it a girly bear. Yeah, I would. Somebody, yeah, my friend uh, uh, Kristen uh, uh -huh. from uh, Northern California. Uh -huh. We got Alma. Alma's uh, oh, okay. tuned in too. Uh, but uh, Kristen uh, said, "Is it a girly bear?" I, I wouldn't call this a girly bear by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, you know, if if uh, if you're into those super big, big hoppy, sharp finishes, uh, you know, thinks. Stone uh, Ruination. That's one. Right. That's, that's like the biggest, hoppiest one of those out there. Um, there's other ones like that. They're not the only one. But if you like those big, hard California IPAs, this probably is not going to be your cup of tea. If you're more of a uh, English, more traditional IPA, uh -huh. this is, I think, more in that category. So, which is still a big mouthful of beer for sure. Hang on a second. I gotta, uh... <laughs> <laughs> on your scale of 1 to 10, 10 being best, uh, what do you got there, brother? Well, I think this is a well-made beer. Uh, it's just it's more of a style issue than anything else. I, I'm going to give it a, a 6.5. Uh, you know, I'm going to agree with you that it's it's more of a style issue than anything else. Uh, it is well-made. It's well-made, and I would definitely want to try something else from this brewery because yeah. it is a well-made. Although, like I said... You don't like the name, but I, I love the label. I, I think the label's, label's pretty, okay, pretty cool. The label's okay, but the label has nothing to do with hurricanes. It's got, a, <laughs> it's got nothing to do with California either, so it's got a hawk Man, on it. Come on, you're so, you're, you're so literal. <laughs> There should be a connection. There's no connection here. That's Bjolten, man. There should be an Anderson uh, pea soup on the side here, or maybe some solving. Oh, maybe there's... What the hell do you... Yeah, right. Okay. Well, oh, maybe they like, got a bunch of hawks up there. That looks like solving a little bit. That looks like the valley out there. That kind of... It makes sense. Uh, yeah, look, why something. is it called Hurricane, then? Uh, maybe... Hurricane Deck. Maybe... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I am 
going to join you on a six and a half, and uh, <coughs> that gives us a solid six and a half. There you go. Uh, what are we eating with this, man? Uh, it's still a big beer. It's it's still something, you know, this will go great with your burgers and fries, the like garlic fries, you know, boom, big flavor. Uh, Philly cheesesteak, this will go nicely, you know, cut into those peppers and balance all that out. You know, big beer, big food. Um, if you're going to want to try to go fish, you're going to think... Uh, Something spicy, you know, something it's got some flavor in there. Cajun, blackened catfish, maybe, maybe. That might not be heavy enough. But, you know, big flavors, big yeah. flavors. It's still, uh, but it's not, uh, it's, it's not one of those beers that just will wipe everything out. It, it'll, it'll balance. It's, it's a little better that way than uh, some of those big, big, crazy hoppy ones. If you're doing uh, flights, where, where, where would this fit in for you? Uh, you know, if you're doing flights, and assuming you're, you're kind of going light to dark and you're not just doing IPAs, this would be near the end, yeah. not the end, I wouldn't think, uh, if you're going to throw in there. Oh, two from the end? Maybe? Uh, yeah, or, or second to last, depending on what how heavy you get, because if you get into some of those big stouts, you know, yeah. big oomph. Uh, if you're doing IPAs, like just a flight of different IPAs, uh-huh. this is on the front end of, uh, say, four, four or five uh, uh, super, you know, like double IPAs. I can, I can think of three double, three IPAs that would be double IPAs. Well, so here's, here's an interesting thing, because uh, one of my favorite double IPAs out. is that Firestone. Uh, Firestone makes a... The double Jack? Double Jack. This would have to be had before that. Yeah. Because if you had the double jack and then had this, or the ruination and then right. had this, whew, this is going to taste sweet, man. This is going to be like syrupy sweet. But if you have this first, and then say something more along the lines of like the Maharaja, mm-hmm. or uh, one of my favorites, Arrogant Bastard, which isn't actually an IPA, but it's big and hoppy, big, you know, like this, Arrogant Bastard, then this, then, you know, your other ones you were talking about, the double. Uh, the double jack yeah. or, or stuff like that, you know, or that the one we had, the Cosmos that we had a little while ago. Yeah, 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 I do remember the that. Orange County Brewery. Orange County Brewery yeah. uh, again, that you couldn't drink that before this, and without your mouth puckering, you would you would be just this one's you know. So as long as you know that, you know, like, but if you're doing like flights of say English style beers, you went with a say a pale, a bitter, uh, an extra special bitter. This would be the last one you had. This, mm-hmm. would, this would come at the end of that. Right. So it depends. It's it's relative. What it's type big. Of you're doing yeah, and, and I mean, and this would knock out any sort of a lager, uh, yeah. you know. So just again, depends on what you're comparing it to. It's it's a relative. It's and it's, a, and you, you, like wheats would come before this. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and then the German ones. The only one of the German ones that would hold up are like the the big like the Optimator and the, uh, the double box and the double, yeah. But even then. Those would seem sweet compared to this, because this has got enough hops that yeah, those those would seem a lot sweeter. Yeah, yeah. But so it's compared again, to what we normally drink, this is sweet. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's relative. Yeah, it's, it's all relative for sure. Nice. All right. Good beer, though. I mean, I, and I would definitely want to try some of their other beers. Yeah, out. we'll have to see what else they have. Yeah. Another edition of Brewski, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. That's Brewski, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. Go there, join the Beer Love Club. They will send you a box, not a case, a box of beers each week, each month, I should say. Twelve beers, four different breweries, uh, and, and they're all craft beers and some to choose from. Actually, they have a, a couple different programs. They have a, a craft beer one that's local. They have uh, uh, some European 
beers. You can get the mix of uh, beers from Europe. But uh, check it out if you want to go to drinkswinespirits.com or just click on the Brewskies tab right there on the side of the page right here at Swoops World. We are about, oh, 10 minutes away from Anthony Davis. We'll be talking, we're talking about him, about the local and latest in sports. A lot of things popping up this week in sports, so we'll have a chance to chat with him. <coughs> and let's see where we're at here, man. Let's take a quick break and listen to Raspin Stewart. This is Rumbling and Tumbling. Back up to this. Catfish are jumping It's an impossibility Someone's been rumbling And tumbling in my backseat You tell me lies And you hold me tight We go rumbling, tumbling, rumbling, tumbling Book us a tax man. What do I do? I sold my new car, still got no revenue. Somebody loves you, but who knows who? We go rumbling, tumbling, rumbling, tumbling. Rumbling, tumbling, rumbling, tumbling. Rumbling, tumbling, rumbling, tumbling Through the night Whatever gets you through the night From neoclassic to the Berlin Wall Cities crumble, legends will fall Lost and lonely without a trace. Rumbling, tumbling, rumbling, tumbling. Set, set, set. Oh, rumbling, tumbling, rumbling, tumbling. What is it? Set. Rumbling, tumbling, rumbling, tumbling. What gets you through the night? Whatever gets you through the night. Psst, 
It's me, your heart. High blood pressure is serious, and if you think I'm just going to keep ticking away, you're wrong. I can quit whenever I want, but I like my job. Just treat me better. Maybe we can do some exercise on occasion? After all, we're in this together. Don't let your heart quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get yours to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Hello, this is Exine Zervenka. You're listening to Swoop's World. Welcome back to Food World on Talk Star Radio Network. As always, during the uh, breaks here, we, uh, we we solve the world's problems, and uh, mm-hmm. sometimes we get jump and uh, jump back a little bit late. We are what ten minutes away from Anthony Davis, so we get a chance to talk talk to AD in a little bit. But Peter, why don't you tell us about Audible.com, man? Audible.com. If you were to go to audibletrial.com. Uh, <laughs> Audible trial <laughs> forward slash swoopsworld.com, then you would be able to get a free download. Uh, any book, one time, free. Uh, and, you know, we've talked about this before. Where and when would you listen to Audible? When would you listen to a book? And there are lots and lots of opportunities. Swoop just did it as he drove, uh, what, about four or five hours? Yeah, about five, six hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great opportunity uh, on the plane, uh, working out. I like to do it as I do uh, some of my rides, you know, uh, drowning out kids so that you can, you know, get your get your groove on. Uh, folding laundry, lots of great times. Working out is, is one of the best, you know, sitting there spinning or whatever it is you do. So, uh, and they have a huge, huge selection, 250,000 titles. And great, just some really spectacular talent reading these. Uh, there's just one guy I was reading, uh, listening to. And uh, I, it's like the guy, I know it's the same guy, but I swear every time he switches to a different character, he's got a voice that's so different than the other voices that I, I have to keep in mind, that's just one guy. That's not five people. So uh, really talented uh, readers. and uh, So you can listen to your favorite author. It's a great, great opportunity. Uh, if you go to Swoops World... And you check it out, go to the banner ad, or go straight to... I'm not even sure the banner ad, because it broke. It broke. Ago, but uh, just go to... Audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. You go that route, you'll get a f- your first download. It'll be free. And uh, swoopsworld will or earn a few shekels. Check exactly. it out. Exactly. Hey, for all your fitness needs, go check out our good friend Jack Nunn. Uh, if you're in the Long Beach area, he's uh, you know he's a, been a constant guest on the show. And he knows a lot about fitness and training, and he's got indoor rowing, boot camp, personal training, much, much more. Located at 5750 Boathouse Lane, 
Uh, Jack's he's involved in triathlons almost on a weekly basis. He helps train uh, triathletes uh, as well as anybody who's just needing to get get fit or trying to get in shape and stay in shape. Check him out at www.roworx.com. Give him a call at 562-688-1716 or let him know that Swoops World sent you and your first week is free. Also, good ways to help out the show is click on the banner ads that we have on the side of the page on the homepage and all the other pages. Uh, if you want to learn about growing organic veggies uh, on your own there and the easiest way to do it, click on the banner right there on the side as well as getting more fruits and vegetables in your diet as well as Peter's book on Amazon. It's still on the homepage. You can click on there and pick it up from there. And He's got the Word of Bike Orange County, which is uh, soon to be a collector's edition, man. Because I is. think uh, production has ceased on that, huh? Yeah, no. You're, you're ready to, you're going you're to kick out uh, volume two, volume three? or uh, It doesn't look like it. It's a, it's a one-time thing, and there are not a lot of copies. So go get your copy now. Yeah. There's yeah, not going to be many copies like, <laughs> in a short while. You should autograph them and, set them and, put, and put them on there. and put, they, People bid for them. Yeah, put them up with Butterfield and Butterfield or one of those big auction houses. And, what do you think? I, I, I think it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> I think they all got pulped earlier in the week. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> There are a few still on Amazon, and I saw five copies. And let me tell you this. A few weeks ago, I was in REI, and there were three copies. Yeah. And I was in REI, like, uh, two weeks later, and there were five copies. So, uh, they're... Uh, I don't know. Maybe they got some of them. They got some of them in there, man, because you're... Beforehand. High demand, man. Woohoo! You'd be, you be an important mofo, bro. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> oh my god people are tired tweet t- texting me a book as i try to uh you know maintain uh, some sense of what's going on here man so mm-hmm. we uh there was something else i was going to ask you about you know you used to brew a lot uh you know back in the day we were talking about hops and stuff over the over the over the uh, break mm-hmm. and how many different types of hops are there out there oh i don't know how many there are i know that Say ten or fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. there was about twelve or so varieties that probably accounted for maybe less than that. That accounted for ninety-five percent of all hop use, I would guess. Uh, but with the whole explosion of IPAs and everybody trying to come up with a, a you know their own flavor, their own whatever, their own style, uh-huh. there are there's there's all kinds of hops that are being developed like. Daily, you know, it's 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 like corn, right? There used to be yellow corn, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden there was white corn, and now there's like a whole bunch of variations of something in between. Well, hops is kind of like that now, where there is a whole whole bunch, and uh, and generally speaking, there was a hop that you used to to that you use for bitterness. Uh-huh. There's a hops you use for flavor, and then there was a hops. You used for uh, bouquet for smell. That's and they use three usually or often they use three different ones. But sometimes they would use two for bittering, one you know one for bittering and flavor, and then a second one just for the nose. And some beers didn't add any of that. That's real simple, basic. Now that everybody wanted to experiment and have, especially with the California IPA just taken off, there's just tons of variation. Sometimes they're using. As many as five or six different hops in one beer, which is and that, and that, very, that, was a very and that's, and that's not all because they also use uh, 
starts with a B, right? Uh, beside Tops. For bittering? Yeah. Hops is the only is the primary. Uh, nothing, there's nothing else that's used bittering unless they start adding chili powder, peppers or something like I that. Like barley, ba- or... bar- well, barley is the, the the bones of it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Barley is where you get the 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 flavor uh, and the sugar. You need the sugar for the yeast to eat right. to produce the alcohol. So the what barley you use will de- decide. F- uh, you know, the flavor profile will decide how sweet a beer, how dark a beer. Uh, if you used uh, toasted malt, uh, toasted malted barley, you'll end up with one flavor. If you add instead of just 100% barley, you start adding adjuncts like corn sugar or wheat. So this is all oatmeal. So this is all, I mean, I'm sure there's like standard recipes. But I think it sounds like a lot of it is is kind of experimenting and trial and error. You keeping a lot of notes and all that oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. But bar uh, uh, making beer is like cooking. You know, you can take some decent ingredients and make a really good beer. But you want to be able to repeat that. Right. Right. Uh, whereas wine making is more like baking. If you have shitty ingredients, you can't make great wine. It can't. So you have shitty. If you have shitty chocolate, your chocolate cake is going to taste shitty, right? right? I mean, it'll still taste like chocolate, perhaps, but bad chocolate tastes bad, right? Uh, beer, you can get away with a bunch of stuff. Um, so, but yeah, you you would need to know, to reproduce year in and year out or batch to batch, you would need to, there's enough variables. If you just take into account water, yeast, barley, and hops, those are the four ingredients you need. Four basic ingredients. Just adjusting any one of those ingredients by a small amount will totally change, could totally change your beer. Just changing your yeast could totally. Just changing, if you put in 10 pounds of crystal barley, uh-huh. instead you took out half a pound and added chocolate malt, which is just a malt that's been roasted longer to, to chocolate color, you will end up with an entirely different looking and tasting beer. We're going to talk about this some more in a bit. <laughs> it's interesting. You mentioned water. I remember those old Coors mm. commercials would always say it's all about water. water. And Coors is a shitty beer, so maybe they had to find some better water. <laughs> <laughs> well, water's important, but... <laughs> it's going to be the Good evening. Uh, we'd like to welcome to the show five-time national champion from the uh, University of Southern California, football and baseball, two-time All-American, as well as played in the NFL, the CFL, and the WF, WFL, our good friend and colleague, Anthony Davis. How you doing, brother? Good. I guess I, guess I can play everywhere, huh? You can play everywhere, anytime, any day. <laughs> and, 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 and we had Bob Case on earlier, and apparently you can still chase some women around the restaurant. So we know you still got your stuff together, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a... Uh, Sweet I, I get tooth! <laughs> <laughs> oh, how's it going, man? I'm doing good. It's it's always a pleasure, brother. Let's let's just jump right into it. Uh, well, let's talk about the little NFL stuff. Uh, you and I chatted earlier, and I, I was kind of happy to see this uh, that uh, the Eagles have uh, signed uh, Tim Tebow to a one year contract. Uh, we've we've talked about it on the show here many a times. You know, say what you want about Tim Tebow, the guy's a gamer. He comes to play, he leaves everything out on the field. Uh, when you heard this, what were your thoughts, man? Well, you know, look, I, you know, anybody works that hard. 
and you can question about his technique and everything else. And you know how he gets it done. Just let him go. If Chip Kelly wants to build something around him, if he's got any plans, because I can tell you, everybody have an AM cap now. Uh, Barkley, Bradford, Mark Sanchez, all of these guys, you know, have, have been injured. You know, I mean, they, you know, they've been injured. That's injury prone. So if you really want to work with him and see what he can do, what, what, do, you, what do you have to lose? Yeah. I mean, he's a gamer. He's big. He's strong. And, you know, he can throw the ball a little bit. But the main thing is if you, he's a leader more than anything. And, you know, I, just, some people just have the it factor. As far as I'm concerned, he just has the it factor. I mean, whether how you look at the end results, and he's a winner. I mean, you know, you know, he, is he the traditional quarterback? Not really. But the way, he, you know, he did it through college, give him a shot, let him have his team, let him build a team around him, and let him do, if, if that's going to be the case. But I believe that if he does make that squad, that eventually he's going to be on that field. I, I, I agree. I think uh, I think uh, he if he if he he comes through, he'll, he'll be playing. Um, you know, he, he did. You look, you can say what you want. He did take Denver to the playoffs. Uh, you know, they they, yeah. they and the guy. Uh, you know, he won the Heisman in, in college. He, he played some. I think he played a couple. Of, I know he played at least one national championship game. I believe. Uh, and uh, he's got a lot of heart, man. And uh, I, I like to see him get, get a chance. Let me say this about, especially since we talk about the Denver Broncos and when he was there. Just remember, everybody who knows anything about the history of the Broncos, John Elway went to the Super Bowls, but he never won the Super Bowls until his last two, in the past few years of his year. You know the reason why he won? Because Shanahan brought a running game in there. It was all on the back of John Elway. That missing piece. They bring in fast forward and other quarterbacks. You bring in Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's had one one Super Bowl champion, okay, and they could have lost that to the Bears too, based on weather, whatever it is, back when they played when they played in Miami against the Bears. The bottom line is this: Manning has not won a Super Bowl. He got to a Super Bowl. Tebow got him in the playoffs, won those, won that game. But at the end of the day, you got to win the championship. So basically, the Denver Broncos are back where they were during the time when Elway's playing, when they didn't have a run game. Now, are they going to are they going to mix that up and change the system there so it can be a balanced attack and don't put it all on Peyton Manning? You see, so what people tend to forget, you know, no one they never really gave Tebow a real strong, strong shot in just carrying his team for a whole year. Right. They didn't do it for a whole year. He earned it right. He was a number one draft choice. Got to go with that, you know. So, you know, that's my take on that. And end of the day, you're measured by your championship, not potential, not the in, not during the season, all the stats. You, you, you know, in history, you're remembered by championships. Period. That's the way it is. It's the second tier. If you don't win it, you, 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 you're in the second chapter. If you win it, you're in the first chapter. Wow, I wonder what I wonder what Thanksgiving is like over the uh, the Manning household because you got Eli's got two wins, mm-hmm. Peyton's got one, and Daddy's got none. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, you know, they, they are the patriarchs, and, and, and they're really pretty much the spokesman for the National Football League. If you want to say it one way or the other, but right, you know, uh, the little brother has two, and, and the one that's supposed to have four or five only has one. 
Uh, but Dad's in the Hall of Fame, and he's got none. So I guess I guess right. I guess uh, you're right. It, it does it does play a big part in it. But uh, it, it's got to be interesting because uh, 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 I, I got to imagine Eli's always heard about how much better his brother is than he is. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, you know okay, whatever. He got the but, but bottom line. At the end of the day, he got two Super Bowl championships. Period. And whether how you got there or not, he got the championship. That's what you're measuring on. Because mm-hmm. when years go beyond, they're going to see Brady got was in six appearance, won four. Okay? Bradshaw, four. Montana, four. You know, and everybody got to one or two or whatever. They're going to measure you by that. I mean, unless you really dig, 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 and, you, and you're one of one, and you're really one of these nerds who really want to know all the stats and stuff, sure, if you want to dig. But most people are not going to do that. Yeah. You're measured by championships. Period. End of story. I mean, if you look, if you go back to seventies and with, with Bradshaw, everybody knows him having four championships, four. Right. They don't look at all them, you know, them interseason stats and stuff. I mean, you know, and when they when they go back to see Elway and stuff, they can see how long he played. But at the end of the day, they're gonna see two championships. That's what they're going to see. What's interesting about those guys you mentioned, all those guys you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the, their ability to lead their teams and whatnot, and, and, and I watched them all play, and, and they were all exciting to watch play. And I throw Aikman in the mix too. But there was something about Joe Montana, man. He just never looked, to me, he just never looked like he really was ever worried or flustered. I mean, he just always looked like he had all the confidence in the world. And, and, and I, I, if all the people you mentioned – you know, I, and I hate to go back when they start talking about who was the best ever and this type of thing, but I think that I, I'd always pick that guy first, man. He always looked like he just, you know, no matter what was going on, he just felt like, hey, we're just in a, it's a walk in the park. We're going to take it down. We're going to score. We're going to win the game, and then we're going to go home. Yeah, first of all, first of all, I mean, I, I, I would just put the combination of Bill Walsh and him together. It's a combination of those two guys. They both look – he coached that way and he played that way. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can tell you – that all the pieces he had around him, he made them better. He made everyone better. And he and he and he was he was a true field general in a cool, collective way. And Bill Walsh did the same thing. He he changed the face of football and really how his house played. I mean, you know, I'd love to play for him, and I always said I'd love to play for Belichick in modern day football if I had to. But Bill Walsh is one I'd want to play for even if I was back in those days. Maybe I had a shot with I really pushed it, but I was ready to get out of the ball anyway, and I did. But the bottom line is, uh, and, and I agree with you, Montana be my choice just based on the body of work and everything else. It's, it's Montana and everybody else. That's how I look at it. Let's, uh, you know, you, you have mentioned so many times about these guys, uh, you know, doing things and what they need to do and to, and to respect the game and respect – the, what they have available to them. Uh, we heard today that um, Cowboys, Greg Hardy, who they just signed for a one-year contract, I think, from the Carolina Panthers, he just got suspended for 10 games. And he, hmm. he got suspended, which means there's, what, 16 games? So he's only going to play six games. Uh, you know, he, he says, and I'm, I got a statement from the NFL. It says, the NFL investigation concluded that Hardy violated the personal conduct policy by using physical force against Nicole Holder in at least four instances. First, he used physical force against her, which caused her to land in a bathtub. Second, he used physical force against her, which caused her to land on a futon that was covered with at least four semi-automatic rifles. Third, he used physical force against her by placing his hands around Ms. Holder's neck and applying enough pressure to leave visible marks. And fourth... (laughs) 
He used physical force to shove Ms. Holder against a wall in his apartment's entry hallway. He says the net effect of these acts was that Ms. Holder was severely traumatized and sustained a range of injuries, including bruises and scratches on her neck, shoulders, upper chest, back, arms, and feet. Commissioner Roger Goodell wrote, the use of physical force under the circumstances present, present, uh, present here against a woman substantially smaller than you and in the presence of powerful military-style assault weapons constitutes a significant act of violence in violation of the personal conduct policy. He got every he deserved to get everything that the, the commissioner brought down to him. And oh, by the way, uh, what's his name again? You said Greg Hardy. Greg, yeah, Mr. Hardy. Just want to let you know that you only got a six six game contract. You're only playing for you. And from what I understand, you, you, when you violate that, you don't get paid. Say, bro, I'm not letting anybody take my money away for being a knucklehead. You want to be a knucklehead? You only you only playing for six games. You got a six game contract based on what you just read because. He doesn't get paid in, the, in the, those, those, those other 10 games. Right. He can't even train with the team based on that. Can't do anything. He's got to do his training away from that. So this is this, and, and, and like I said before, it's a loud, clear message that he's doing. I mean, the brand, the brand. I mean, and they've been scrutinized so much. They're not going to let anybody go there with anything. I mean, if you spit on an ant, you're going to be in trouble. Right. So, so I'm just saying it, the, the, the punishment is justified. I hope he learns his lesson. I well, hope he learns his lesson. I think anybody who is playing or is, a, or is a, collecting a paycheck from the NFL ought to know now. I mean, they, 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 they took some hits last year, you know, with Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson and whatnot. Right. And they ain't messing around, man. I'm telling you, they're, they're going to come down hard. They're going to come down quick on people. And, uh, you know, this guy here, I mean, like I said, you know, Cowboys – now, what are you, you're Jerry Jones, uh, you know, you're trying, to, you're trying to shore up some holes, you sign a guy to a one-year contract, and now, I mean, he's only good for you not even half the season now. No, not half the game, he's a six-game six contract. Yeah. And think now, about I don't it. know. Think about it, by the time he comes in, he's coming in the last six games. I mean, by then, hopefully, your team is, is cranking, you, 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 you know, you figured things out, you're gelling. Now you want to bring in, as you said, this knucklehead who, what, what's he going to do? He's just going to disrupt your game, more than likely, right? right? I mean, so he has a six-game contract, but he probably won't be anything more than, you know, a plug-in here. Somebody gets hurt, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll shove him in here and there. He's ruined himself. And see, not only that, I mean, first of all, systematically, he's got to learn their system. Mm-hmm. So he's got to learn all that stuff away from everything, away from the whole facility. You can't be around the facility when they do that. So he's got to learn the system, and when he comes back, he's got to get in game shape play, which he's going to miss that. Mm-hmm. You can't practice with the team. can't do anything. So, 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 so what, what is it? He's got to do everything isolated by himself. So basically what he has to do is get how they train and get a person trained or whatever. He's going to live in a gym and hope his win factor and stuff, his conditioning is there because when he comes back, he's got to formulate himself with the team, with the coaches, the coordinator, and everything, I just think this is a wash year. So I don't. Yeah. So I don't know. He signed that deal, and uh, he's only guaranteed. Uh, he's only guaranteed six games. Wow. That's it. That's it. I don't even know how you even do that. And uh, some people have been saying, you know, since since I've heard about that, is that, you know, uh, they won't send a loud, clear message. You can sign him. We're gonna clear. We're gonna send a loud, clear message, and they sure did. Ten games. I don't even know. How you, I don't even know how you can form. 10, 10, with, with 10 games. I don't know how you can do that. 
It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing the, the the trouble that these guys get themselves into. Um, you know, just in general. I mean, the kind of things <laughs> that a lot of these guys get themselves involved in is just well, shocking, I a, man. I have a question. Did did all of those things happen like at the same time, or was that over a period of time? A period know. of time. Oh my <laughs> period god. Of time. There's different incidents. What I understand is it's, it's been a different, a, separate, a different wow. incident. Each one is all of them, all of them is in different times and Jeez. stuff. You know. But I mean, a lot of people knew that the stuff was going on. From yeah. I understand. But here, here's the clear messages that 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 that's been that people know about. I mean, it's been it's obviously it's been more, but these are the four different things <laughs> that you talked about, uh, Keith. That uh, that everybody knows about publicly, but it's been more, from what I understand. Yeah. But uh, the bottom line, what I don't understand is, you know, as an athlete, I don't know how you can train like that, get caught up with, with, with you know, situations, lose your money like that, you get your brains kicked in, you don't lose your money like that. You know, that's a short-lived career, and that kind of stuff stays with you, depending on the severity of what he did. Okay, and everybody knows about what he did. Now, 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 now there'd be some knucklehead women want to hook up with him, but I can tell you, the most part, most women ain't gonna touch him. Well, I wouldn't if I was a female. Here's the thing. I mean, A, it's a short-lived career to start with. B, and we're, we're living in a time when, when, you know, a lot of people are unemployed. I mean, well, there are a lot of people that are unemployed. And you are you are making some serious cash doing something that you truly love. Right. And, and uh, if, if nothing else, I mean, you got to step back before you – before you do something really stupid, I mean, and I might, I'm not saying he should ever put his hands on anybody, you know, let alone his, uh, a woman. But sometimes you got to step back and go, "This is going to cut into my livelihood. I need, to, yeah. I need to, yeah. I need to get through some, uh, you know, some anger management or some bullshit. You know, I need to step away from this. Uh, you know, I mean, I know people, I know, I know guys, who, I know guys who have paper routes who know enough, have enough sense to go. You know, I need to get out of this situation right now before I do something stupid. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you, say, you know something. That's, uh, if you don't like the woman, then just leave. <laughs> hey, man, just leave. Just say, you know something. I don't like we did. I'm saying goodbye to you. There's more fish in the sea. What's the matter with these knuckleheads? There's more women out there than you than we are. You don't want to. You you want you want to jeopardize and you had to settle with the woman on top of it. Man, you got to be straight out of your mind. To you do know, that. It, just it, leave the woman. If you don't like what she's doing or whatever, you're not just you need to pack your stuff and leave. But That's you see it. these guys. You see these guys. I mean, not only not only with the women that they're with. You see these guys getting in fights with guys at clubs. I mean, you know, getting shot at after <laughs> leave the clubs. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's got to be there's got to be a moment in time when you got to reassess what, what's going on in your world, man. Because you go, pretty, go you to can, a different club. You can no? pretty much. <laughs> Bring the party home with the people exactly. that you actually know, and not be getting shot at. I mean, some of these guys—I I don't understand why they're out doing whatever they're doing. Uh, you know, guys, these guys hanging out at three or four o'clock in the morning. I mean, first of all, like somebody said, after twelve o'clock, the danger creeps up on you. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? After twelve, the danger creeps up. One o'clock—that's a warning sign. Two, okay, you're out there. Three, you're a knucklehead. Four, four o'clock in the morning? Are you kidding me? I mean, you know, you know, and like I said before, I said the earlier in our other show, I said it's going to come a time where all these major sports and they're going to start putting some serious curfews on these guys, and pretend because they they want to treat you like grown men. If they want to treat you like children, they're going to treat you like children because they will protect your brand, pick protect the brand. Well, I mean, this is this is where that's headed because what he was what the what the NFL charged him with was. Uh, the part of the uh, part of the policy that is uh, violate the personal conduct policy. Um, you know that's like the military with the uh, conduct unbecoming. 
uh, you know, an officer or, or a member of the military service. So, I mean, your behavior, even, I mean, even if he didn't put his hands on her, you know, there's, there's that, that behavior, that conduct policy is kind of a catch all, man. I mean, mm-hmm. that, you know, you could just be talking loud at a, at a thing or being, you know, disrespectful. Talking, talking to the wrong person. Talking to the wrong person, right? or being respectful, being associating with the wrong person. I mean, that that's kind of a catch all. And then they're going to start, I mean, he was obviously a severe case, but. They're going to start using that conduct policy. A lot of guys are going to have to reevaluate where they're being seen and what time of day and who they're with. And, you know, this kind of thing that they were talking about, you go back a few years with um, Allen Iverson when he was playing basketball. You know, they were saying, you know, he was hanging out back in the projects where he grew up, this kind of stuff like that. And they were kind of concerned about who he's associating with. So you're going to see a lot of this now, I think. Well, first of all, with all these cameras now, you can't do anything. It's a camera everywhere. Yep. You know, you can't say anything. You can't even spit on the side without everybody seeing it. I'm telling you. You know, you, you can't do anything these days. Nothing. I mean, not only that, you know, and, and, and dealing with these sports leagues now, that's like dealing with the CIA, FBI now. They, 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 got, they got people everywhere now. <laughs> I mean, they, look, they, they're going to they're protect their money, and, and they should. And if I'm the commissioner of any of these, these teams, hey, I'm going to do the same thing. You you, you, you want to you, you disrespect our code and our conduct? No, we're going to take your money, then eventually we're going to put you out the league, okay? Right. right. And, uh, and I think we're going to see more, more of this, uh, a lot more frequent, like you always say. And, 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 you know, I think, A.D., you're the first one that we heard speak this on a consistent basis. They're going to protect their brand. And, oh. uh, and and you know this the the, the NFL is what a six billion dollar industry or some shit like that. No 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 make no no make no let's, let's go uh, let's go like twelve B. <laughs> 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 you think they gonna let a few knuckleheads? <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> I mean, come on. And the thing that bothers me, you know, and I'm gonna put this out there. The thing that bothers me, most of the people getting shoved with the brothers. That's what really bothers me. And I'm sorry, audience, I'm saying, I say, but I'm just telling you, you know, I'm telling you, I mean, every once in a But it's mostly, it's mostly, it's mostly the black athletes. Having you people learn, I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get them. You know, maybe, maybe they didn't have a father, but maybe they didn't have the price cut. But hey, look, straighten up, understand, understand this system. It doesn't work. You want to be a knucklehead? They're going to treat you like a knucklehead. Okay? The severity of the stuff you do, they're going to put you out the leg. Period. Period. End the story. Because I thought we had some knuckleheads and lick. Man, we we, we were like we were just child taking care of these guys doing the day. Are you kidding me? If you'd have told me thirty years ago you'd get busted by carrying guns like that and hanging out at three or four o'clock in the morning, no way, no way. Like I said, if you looked at the coach wrong when you were out the league. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing, you know, and, and you mentioned something, you know, so you said, well, maybe these guys didn't have uh, you know certain things in the in the family and stuff like that. You know, the, the, I don't. I, I'm sorry, but I'm not. I'm, I'm not a medical professional. I don't. I'll do the disclaimer now. I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't buy into that. I didn't get enough hugs when I was a kid, man. You know what? <laughs> You're a grown ass man now. You know what you missed, what you didn't get. You know what you need to do. You know what it takes to, to, right. to succeed in this life. You know, step up to the plate and do the right thing, and 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 enjoy enjoy your career while you have while you have that limited time. And uh, and you know, stay out of trouble, man. Stay out of trouble because that, that money is that money is is fleeting. Absolutely, I mean, I can't. You gonna take my money behind a knuckle a knuckle t- a knucklehead attitude? Hey, man, you'll get another female. 
Go home and get drunk. Don't be sitting around there smoking the weed going down the, going down the street. And also you pull up next to the cop and the weed's coming out of your window. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> You're smoking the weed. And there's a, and there's a motorcycle cop sitting right next to you. It's, come, it's, come, it's, coming out, it's, it's, it's coming out of the car like a chimney. Unbelievable. Up in smoke. <laughs> yeah. Cheech and Chong. Smoking Cheech like Oh, well, let's, 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 while we're on NFL, man, I'm going to read you something here and I'm going to get your, uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's, it's about five pages, but I'll read the beginning of it yeah. and get your thoughts on it. It says a federal judge has approved a plan to resolve thousands of NFL concussion lawsuits that could cost the league $1 billion over 65 years. The NFL expects 6,000 of nearly 20,000 retired players to suffer from Alzheimer's disease or moderate dementia someday. The settlement approves. Wednesday, which is today, by a federal judge in Philadelphia would pay them about $190,000 on average. It says, former NFL players who suffered long-term adverse effects from concussions could get a monetary settlement to help with medical bills and other expenses. Uh, that's kind of the, the, the nuts and bolts of it. It says the awards could reach $1 million to $5 million for those diagnosed in their 30s and 40s with Parkinson's disease or Lou Gehrig's disease or for deaths involving chronic brain trauma. Now, I also heard, uh, uh, what's his name, Jim Brown, NFL, CBS, uh, say tonight that not a penny is going to be paid until uh, any appeals uh, come up or, or all appeals are, are uh, decided. So they're expecting, they're expecting the NFL to appeal this. But uh, just, on the, just on the basis of what you heard or just on the basis of today's ruling, uh, we know you, you've been. We've talked many a times about concussions, uh, and you, you're a big fan of Dr. Amen. Uh, but what do you think about this settlement? Do you think this goes far enough? Do you, we, we, we've talked about lifetime medical for these guys, but what, what are your thoughts on this? Well, first of all, you know everybody's different. The trauma from we go varies from player to player. The long, like I said, the longer you play, the more the trauma. I mean, but some guys can play two years and have the same amount of trauma. Guy playing ten years. So once they get into their own individual cases, what are they going to do it? Now I know I know everybody's a part of it. You know anybody's is part of the class I can shoot, which I'm part of it. The bottom line is, and Jim Brown is right. You know until all the appeal process goes through, and NFL. I don't know if NFL. I don't think if I'm the NFL and NFL legal counsel, I'm not appealing this thing because it can get, the, the, the the money can even go higher. I mean because if they start digging into how bad these guys are. You know, I think, and I'm going to say also, I don't, I haven't read all of what you just read. I think it's going to vary from player to player. Because if you got a guy that has head problems, trauma, if you got guys got joint, because most of them are going to have head problems, tra- traumatic brain problems, joint problems. You're going to have all kind of stuff, you know. So it's going to vary from all kind of players. And, you know, and I, I, I agree with the judge. Like, it was 735 and it went to a billion. So that's good. But if you got 6,000 players, it's, it's going to be boiled down to how long you played in the league and what your injuries are. But it's a start. I believe in it. They need to do something like that. But these guys help build what the NFL is. They built the brand. You should take care of the people who took care of your brand. And I don't see why they would even try to appeal this this thing and uh, and, be, and be grateful that it could, it, the number could have been higher. Right. And frankly, a lot of people think the number should have been higher because o- over that period of time, a lot of those guys they won't be here anyway. So and, and who knows? I can tell you guys out of suffering that don't even know their names and suffer from dementia, Alzheimer's, 
Parkinson's and all this other stuff that are near death anyway. Now, I saw a report where Jim, Jim McMahon, the Super Bowl quarterback for the 85 Bears, his wife has a program, uh, his cards, so he remembers how to get home. So that's, that's a severe case right there. Tony Dorsett has major issues. So everything is, is different. Like in my case, it's different. you see me and you talk to me, you, you see I'm sharp, I'm, I'm coherent. Well, some guys can't even carry on the way I'm carrying on now. And it, vary, and it varies from genetic, genetic to each person. So genetically, I'm pretty sound and I'm pretty healthy. But, and I'm glad that I take a supplement program that has enhanced and helped me over the last seven years under Dr. Pro. And what I'd like to see is, and I reached out to Dr. Amy based on what I heard about the, uh, the settlement, uh, that he should be involved with the league thoroughly about his supplement program for, for current players and retired players. And I think they have to do preventative measures with a lot of players in the league because this is a serious thing. If you know guys have a, has a concussion situation, a current player, they should address it and, and conform, conform the giant list. If you continue to have these problems, you've got to get out of the game. I think that's where it's going. Uh, I, I, I know there's a guy, I think, was a Welsh Welker with the Denver Broncos who had like, what, three concussions within nine months? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, so I see a case like that and other cases like that. Uh, the, the league's going to start addressing because they're going to be liable for all this stuff either now or down the road. So I think the concussion policy in the league is going to change, and I think they're going to start updating how they do and treat these guys. Because, like I tell you, every game somebody gets their head racked, and everybody has a concussion every game. Well, here's somebody in the league. Go ahead. Go ahead. Someone in the league, everywhere, on all levels, have a concussion. They'll have brain trauma when you get hit. And I don't care what anybody says. They can say what you want. Anybody who puts a helmet on their head has brain trauma. This period, you, you, you just the human the human head was not made to get hit, and your in your brain rattles. There's no tech. There's there's no technology in helmet development that's going to stop the head because the head rattles inside like an egg yolk. When the egg yolk comes out, the damage occurs. What I, what I'm interested in here, Ad, is is you know it looks like this settlement it covers stuff after the fact. It's like if you come up with these. If you come up with this, these symptoms, you know, after the fact, then, you know, we will, we will cover these things. You have mentioned many a time about <clears throat> brain scans, supplements, uh, you know, uh, you know the, the chamber type thing and all these kind of things. Yeah. It, you know, a lot of companies, a lot of, you know, corporate, corporate America has gone to things where they're talking about preventative medicine, where, you know, they're, they're allowing, you know, sedentary workers to work out. Uh, by providing gym memberships and stuff like that. Uh, I know these are athletes, they work out all the time, but when we're talking about stuff like, you know, brain trauma, shouldn't they be providing them the things you mentioned, uh, like uh, a, a yearly brain scan or a yearly, or, or, or maybe providing them uh, all a supplement program or the, 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 the preventative aspects of this instead of dumping all their money into the after the fact you're, you're not treating the you're not treating the problem you're trying to fix you're trying to fix fix it after it already happened well that's what i'm saying i don't know why they'll embrace dr daniel amen he has the only comprehensive supplement program in the country and his staff and his clinics all over the country that 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 addresses this situation so the bottom line is he believes and i believe just learning what i've learned from him just through my own situation is that 
if you're going to get your brain kicked in on these football fish, you should take the supplements at least to counter some of the stuff. You should have a hyperbaric chamber around. Every facility should have a hyperbaric chamber, and every, and, and every team on any level should have these supplements to keep nourishing the brain and keep the health of the brain going. If you're going to get it hit, you it's, treat everything else, but you got to treat the head because the head controls everything. Well, the thing is, so, is, is none of this stuff. It's not impossible to have. I mean, they have the they have the ice baths. They got all the all the uh, all the uh, you know the training stuff at the training facilities. They they provide. Uh, you know, I know a lot of places provide, uh, you know, protein shakes and, uh, you know, this, that, and other stuff and, you know, steroids here and there. <laughs> Just kidding. But, I mean, they, they provide a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of things. It's not, it's, not, it's not, you know, outlandish to think that they can't implement this if they really wanted to. Absolutely. I mean, look, look I mean, you, you, you should, everybody, but the bottom, they should have a comprehensive supplement program for all these athletes. And they can be preventative, preventative, what I call preventative, you know, medicine. Have a hyperbaric chamber in every facility. Have these supplement programs. Talk to all the, the doctors across the league. Conform something where all everybody's on the same page. You know, I don't know what people think of Dr. Amen, but as far as I'm saying, he's the only one I know that is doing something out there. And I'm part of a 115-player study, and he calls me the father of this brain study, which, you know, he talks about in my book, you know, kickoff concussion. And so, so I, with he and I would like to see that, both current players and retired players. And, you know, I don't, and the NFL should embrace that, in my opinion, to, to, to get, for exposure to these, these crazy lawsuits. You know, you know and, it, and, it seems to me that the NFL really, really did care and really wanted to help and prevent. I mean, the NFL makes you take a physical, right, every year, and you got to do all that. Why not? Why not test your brain? Why not do a scan? Why not every year, and then be able to chart the damage that is or is not occurring, and then, just as you're saying, address it. You know, if that Absolutely. requires supplements, if it requires if it requires less playing time, if it requires a different kind of helmet. I mean, it, it's they certainly spend a lot of money and a lot of time making sure these guys are fit. Physically, you know, muscles right. and 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 right. being able to do the forty in an X amount of time and lift an X amount of weight. Why not make sure their brains are as connected and healthy as the rest of their body? I totally agree with you. You couldn't said it even better. That's what I've been saying ever since I've been on this program and what I've learned from a novice standpoint. Because I'm and I don't want anybody to take them, make, make them sick. I'm no doctor, okay? But I'm just I'm just voicing based on what I've known over the last eight years and taking these supplements. And I agree with you totally. They need a, a preventative program. They need to scan these guys every year. You get in the physical every year. Mm-hmm. If you don't pass the physical, you don't make a trade. So you might as well check everybody. You already got the money. You made $13 billion last year. You made an extra billion dollars from last year. So, 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 so once you invest in, in your resources and your commodities, which we are and what's worth present and past, so the game can be healthy. So you can let the public know, get reassure the public that you are taking care of these guys because that's a that's a big. The NFL's been taking a big hit on that, and that's what we're talking about the brand and everything else. I mean, they they take so they need. I would like to see them embrace doctors like Doctor Amen. You know what? You know what, Ad? Uh, I just had a thought here, and uh, if the if the NFL is not uh, is not uh, stepping up on on the preventative aspect of it. 
You know, Dr. Amen ought to, ought to look into the NCAA. Because collegiate, you know, uh, uni- universities, universities are the schools of research, uh, you, know, you know, schools of learning. Uh, a lot of research happens on, on, on university campuses. A lot of, you know, what, what we end up doing and what we end up deciding as, as, as well as where we end up with as far as uh, medicine and stuff like that starts on the university campus. Maybe this is maybe maybe this is the 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 the, the route to take uh, as far as you know the hyperbaric hyperbaric chambers and the supplement programs and the brain scans. Maybe we should start that uh, at, at the university level, and uh, and those those athletes coming out of the universities can actually force the, the NFL to uh, step up to the plate that way. I'd like to see I'd like to see some kind of program. I'd like to see some because right now they have nothing, nothing. I mean, you have you have young mothers now that don't even want their kids to play pop on the football. That's how bad it's going to get. I mean, it's been a major drop off anyway in youth football. So I mean, you better start doing something because if not, you know, you're going to see a you're going to see a drop in in, in 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 you know future play of the game. So if you want to try to save this game, you got to be yep, you got to take preventative measures and start it right now, especially at the early age. You know, I mean, I don't know how you're going to change the game because the game is based on physicality. So I don't know where it's going to go and how it's going to change, but as it gets as it gets more serious out there, yeah, these collisions and this tra- trauma, I mean, there's going to be a lot of voices being heard. So that's that's my that's my take on everything, and uh, and I just wish everybody the best. Oh yeah, and I and I and I, and I you know I think you know by the time you make it to the NFL, uh, you know, you take you know take you know we, we talked about it here in, in, in here in, in the studio previously. I mean, we didn't play in the NFL. But you know, a lot of I mean, like T Bone and I played Pop Warner. All three of us played high school ball, and you know, you figure by the time you guys get to get to the university, to the pro level, a lot of those guys have been playing and taking hits to the head for twelve, thirteen, fourteen years. Absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, and before they actually step onto a, to a, you know a pro field, so you know, starting uh, starting some of this treatment uh, at a younger age might be a good way to go. Well, the thing is, like I said, said earlier, anytime you put the, when you first put the helmet on, the trauma starts. The trauma starts. Yeah. If it's twelve o'clock, twelve years old, it starts. Eighteen years old is there. If you're twenty-two, it's there. You go in the NFL, it's there, and it gets and it become more. And a lot of people we talk about. First of all, from what I know now, I don't say anybody can play the, play in the game ten, fifteen years. Junior Seau, nineteen years. Marcus Allen, seventeen years. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, no. I mean, come on. I mean, who, so I'm just that, telling who's, you. Who's that played for the for the Rams? The, the lineman played for Rams for twenty years. Did uh, uh, Jackie Slater? Jackie he Slater. Was, he was there. He was there. His rookie year. I was there when I left the game. Yeah. You know. So these. So so. Based on what I know, I don't. I, I hate to see what their brains look like. We know Junior Seau was messed up. We know that. You know. So I'm just saying that with with the CTE enzyme they found in there. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Everybody has some levels of that when you play that game. You put a helmet on your head. Yeah. Wow. It's 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 always it's always uh, you know something to, to, something to think about and, and something we're going to stay on top of. Ad, uh, I know that you you know you're you're a wanted man and you've you've been doing a lot of a uh, you did a movie with Will Smith and then you did you do some other stuff uh, acting wise lately. Tell us a little bit what's been happening, man. Well, well, the thing is, you know, I did this. Uh, Little little role with uh, Will Smith in a movie called Concussion. I think that's the working title. And uh, Will Smith played the uh, the Doctor Bennett Omalu, 
who found the CTE uh, gene that I was told you about. And uh, I did that. I have some other stuff coming up. And I'm still working on the book and talking, having talks about the book. And, uh, and just frankly, I just do my business every day uh, with the real estate. I work with some guys called Green Law Partners. And, uh, yeah, and we've, that's, my uh, daily, that's, that, that's my daily routine, you know. And, you know, I have uh, things coming up. And I've talked about some projects that, that where I'm in front of the camera and, uh, and behind the camera. So uh, i got some projects coming up. I mean, a lot of them hasn't developed yet, but the one that I know that's, that's in the can and ready to go being out December uh, this year is uh, the concussion film with Will Smith. Well, you tell them next time they want to book you for something, you need a sidekick so I can get a job, man. <laughs> well, I, mean, I think I, I think you can fit in there. You know, I just put to put a rope on your neck and lead you around. And you're, 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 I mean, you're, you're okay. <laughs> see, yeah, I got your brother right there. See, he's right. See, I'm here. You know what I mean? Uh huh. AD's up in the big house, man. I'm out in the field. Listen, I, I know you would ever say it. I talked to I was talking to uh, to Bob Case earlier today and, and we always have a good time talking about you, man. And and uh and, and like I said, it's always a pleasure to have a chance to chat with you and we're gonna talk to you again next week. Uh, but like I always uh, tell everybody I run into, man, it's it's a shame that you're not in the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame, and your jersey's not retired. And I, and and personally, man, this is true 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 story, man. I I truly believe you you are the best athlete to ever set foot on campus there at SC, and, and they need to to respect you for that. And that's me talking, and you would never say anything like that. And you, and you get embarrassed when I say it, but I I I, I still got to say it, man. You, you you're a true friend and. And a, and a true uh, inspiration to, to a lot of people. Well, I really appreciate those words and stuff. And uh, one day it might happen, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't I don't go around uh, pounding my chest and I should do. But you know, people in the know they know they know the accomplishments. And uh, if it happens, it happens. And, and and you know, I know just being exposed because most people think that that has happened, uh, both in the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame and uh, and then also the jersey. So. Uh, I know, I know the criteria of USC. From my understanding, is that you have to win the Heisman in order to get your jersey. Well, let, let's start before you go. Let's talk about that, man, because you would have won the Heisman under the current rules because they they voted before they voted before the season ended. Uh, you know, uh, when you were playing, and uh, you arguably had the best the best season, a better season than Archie Griffin did the year he the year he won his first one. But they'd already voted, and so uh, you know if that's their criteria, they they can they can throw you a bone. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, guys like you is probably the reason I'm gonna get in there. If not, <laughs> we'll keep him out of it. You know, but, but you know, but you know, a lot of people, a lot, most people assume that I'm already in there, and uh, and most people think that's already happened. So I don't make it a big issue. Uh, people don't know know that, and, and we'll see what happens down the road. We'll just see what happens. All right, man. You're a good man, AD, and everybody knows that. And it's always a pleasure to have a chance to chat with you. We'll be talking with you again next week, man. Okay. Thank you very much. Take care. All right. You too. Take care, AD. The great Anthony Davis, y'all. And uh, he's on every week, 925, right here at Swoops World. 
Always had plenty to talk about. We can cover any sport, any subject with AD. He's got an opinion, and he's not ashamed to let you know what it is. So that's one of the things we really love about AD. This is the Black Whiskey Union. This is called Little Lady London. Back after this. Little Lady London, lover in the night. With your sweet addiction, tell me all your lies. Lost in this big city, you sip your cup of tea. Every day I wake up at 5 to give dad his medicine. Every day I wake up at 5 to give dad his medicine. At 6 I make his breakfast. Every day I wake up at 5 to give dad his medicine. At 6 I make his breakfast. At 7 I shower. Every day I wake up for at For those five. caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community to help us better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. 
And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Let TalkStream Live transform the way you listen to radio. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. You are listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hey, this is John Gannon, and I just had the greatest time on Swoop's World here. Welcome back to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network. I want to give a shout out to Stacy, Alma, Kristen, those that we know are listening, and all those listening on TalkStream Live and all the other ways you can listen to Swoops World on the Swoops World app uh, for iPhones and Android phones, as well as uh, a host of other places that we we come in live on. Tune in. Tune in. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, every episode of Swoops World is downloadable for free on iTunes, as well as SwoopsWorld.com. And then some of the stuff shows up at all these other places. I always get these emails from places going, your show was listened to this many times this month. And I'm like, I don't even know we were on your uh, yeah, right. <laughs> your uh, podcasting thing there. But uh, and next week on uh, Swoops World, DJ Coleman, singer-songwriter, will be calling in. We'll get a chance to talk to him and uh, check out his music and whatnot. And, of course, we want to thank Bob Case and uh, A.D., for joining us tonight, as always, Peter, uh, you're a, you're a big time Dodger fan. I'm a Yankee yeah. fan, and uh, you know baseball season is well uh, it's 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 rolling, man. And uh, your Dodgers uh, have come up against the Giants recently, and the Giants had lost like seven or eight in a row. Right, and the Dodgers had won seven in a row. The Dodgers had swept uh, both Colorado and. Colorado, they swept Colorado, swept Seattle, and then won a game against, I think it was San Diego. So they were on a seven-game streak. <laughs> and they ran up against a team that was on a similar streak in the opposite direction. And uh, so they lost last night. I think it was 4-1 to one or something like that. Four to, uh, just, no. 4-1 to one when I turned it off. So I don't yeah. know what the final score was. I see it here. 6-2. to two. Yeah. You know, it's going to happen. It was, their, it was their fifth starter who I think was just... I don't know why they paid money for that guy. <laughs> but, uh, but it's what they got. And right now, they're 2-2 going into the top of the ninth. So that's what, a bit, that's a bit more of a, a scoreline you would expect between the Dodgers and, and the Giants is 2-2. It doesn't matter where those teams, two teams are. They tend to play each other well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, whoever's in first place, whoever's in last, it doesn't matter. They tend to... They tend to make for exciting games. They uh, step it up, so to speak. So And tonight, Kershaw's pitching, so... Oh, he was pitching. I don't think he's in any longer. So anyhow, yeah, Dodgers off to a good start, which is good because I, uh, I, uh, based on their offseason trades, I did not and moves, I did not, uh, I didn't expect them to do all that well. It's interesting. Uh, I, was I picked them to end up third, I think. Or I was reading an article today, and they were talking about unexpected things that are happening. Yeah, hey, Rod's got four dingers. Uh, he's he's the only person in the league that's over a thousand and with OPS on page. Okay, this is uh, slugging. Yeah, percentage. it's one of those ones that oh, I. Oh, yeah. yeah it's uh, a weird statistic. Uh, I'm not going to remember now. That's why T Bone's here normally. Here. That's why T Bone's usually here. You can, exactly. explain, you can explain all that to us. <laughs> I got it right here, man. I actually had to look it up when I, when I read the article. It is on base plus slugging. 
plus is a sabermetric baseball statistic yeah. calculated as the sum of a player's on-base percentage and slugging average. The ability of a player both to get on base and to hit for power. Two important offensive skills are represented. Yeah. And I guess he's the only one in the league right now that's over 1,000. Hmm. He's like a 10-14 or something stuff like that. So, and, you know, as you know, as I've said before, I have no problem with, a, uh, with A-Rod during the season. It's come October. Well, i got my issues with the Right. <laughs> right. And we've seen that. He's had that one good. Yeah. Not great, but one good season, yeah. uh, postseason. Uh, and pretty much he's uh, he's been to the show. More than most players, uh, but he has not performed all that well uh, in those big games. He really hasn't. So, and he's he's another guy we talked about that earlier. He's like a Barry Bonds kind of guy. He really doesn't do himself any favors. Uh, <laughs> in the dugout there? In the dugout. <laughs> not just the dugout, but in off in, the field. Off the field. He just he's just one of those guys. He just uh, well, you know, I think it's, it's, it's hard it, to like. It, it's 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 I don't know how to say it. Some guys, you know, they, they go out with the, you know, they go out with the the, the, the mega starlets and stuff like that, and it's kind of they're kind of cool about it. It's kind of like you know that's just they they met and they seem to enjoy each other's company. And that's, right. with him, it's always it's kind of like Tony Romo when Tony Romo was dating uh, know, what's her name Jessica Simpson. Mm-hmm. Like, it's always almost like a, a career advancement move as opposed to uh, yeah. somebody that actually really. I don't know. I, I mean, it, for the outside looking in, I'm not saying that's what it is. Don't get me wrong. No such thing in fucking tweets. But that's that's half the deal. And, and when you're when you're a, a big name like that, that's half the deal is being able to be cool and actually be cool, not seem like a tool, not seem like a you know. I mean, it, look at Beaver. He's getting a ton of flack for all the <laughs> stupid stuff he's done. There's a group of people that love him, right? Teenage girls between the age of blah blah blah. Everybody else is looking at it going. What a tool. tool. You know, and... But, but here's the thing. You, you look... Okay, since, look at Jeter. Since, Jeter was dating a hot chick left and right. Nobody had anything but admiration yeah, but, and respect for the guy. Because you know why? He handled his business on the field like a like a saint, right? And, you know, and we're talking baseball saints here. We're talking he yeah. hustled He hustled every play. Yes. He didn't half-ass, and he showed up for the big games. Off the field, he avoided scandal. He was polite, but and he was banging let's, left and let's, right. Let's take, right? let's take somebody because you know, because uh, you know same market, uh, because, same team. Let's, let's take somebody like because uh, A. has a crossover with this individual. I'm going to talk about crossover sexually, uh, but here's a guy who's always been out there, but so like A. Rod dated, I believe he dated Madonna for a while. Yeah, yeah I think so. So did Dennis Rodman, right? Now Rodman did all kind. Of, <laughs> Rodman did all kind of pranksterish, prank, you know, you know the wedding dress really, thing, yeah, yeah. The, the, the hair dye, and all this kind of stuff. But that being said, when he when he was with uh, Madonna or Carmen Electra and all these other kind of you know chicks, the same types of chicks that uh, A Rod dated, it was just like that was just it, man. It was just that was his thing, and it, you know, it was his, his thing for now, and he's going to be on to something else next time. And like you said, he showed up to play every day. I mean, the guy more what he had more rebounds than anybody. Defensive Player of the Year, ex, you know, like every year, every pretty year, much, hustled up and down the court <laughs> constantly. So you know, and and and, uh, and you know, like you said, a lot of times people didn't like his antics and stuff like that. But you talk to his teammates, a lot of it, a lot of his teammates said the guy was a was a perfect teammate. You know, and, you know, 
you know, he did some weird stuff every once in a while. You talked a lot. I, I watched a lot of specials where they interview a lot of his teammates, and they go, you know what? Great teammate. Great teammate. So you're right. I mean, so a lot of it has to do with your how you're perceived right. and how you, how how your team perceives you. I think that's a big big part of it because yeah. you can be a total jerk off, but if your team backs you up. If your team says, no, 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 you guys got it wrong, we like this guy, then you get written up a different way. I look at A-Rod, and to me, he's a very, very similar character to uh, Barry Bonds. Guy with a ton of talent, uh, but he's a jerk. Or or Kobe. Another one of those guys who, ton of talent, nobody's going to ever dispute. Nobody's ever going to say Kobe sucks from a talent point of view. They might say that for other reasons, but they're not going to say... He, he couldn't play, right? Um, but he just like he's a jerk, and I, you know, and that's the thing is, I, if A Rod was doing the stuff he's doing, and his team was backing him up, if Jeter was saying A Rod's a good guy, and he's part of our team, that would go a long way. That would go a long way. <laughs> Instead, Jeter never said a negative thing. They never said a positive thing either, <laughs> and that spoke volumes. That goes a long way too. Especially a guy like Jeter. And I think the same thing happened with Bonds in San Francisco. There were guys on the team who didn't necessarily badmouth them, but they wouldn't they wouldn't stand up for him either. Right. And so people saw it for what it is. And I think the same thing happens with Kobe. Nobody certainly on a team with five guys and Kobe's getting head coaches thrown out left and right. <laughs> nobody's gonna nobody's gonna go against Kobe. But at the same time, nobody was nobody was in his in, you know nobody was behind him either. Nobody was so I think Abron just falls into that category. A guy with a ton of talent, but he just either didn't have the set of skills to, to deal with the personal part of stuff like that. I think of a guy, uh, Jeff Kent, who played Played for I think it was Houston for a long time, and then he kind of finished up his career with the Dodgers. Right, good player, you know, second baseman, shortstop at one point. Um, guy who could, and he played for the Giants as well. Uh, guy who could, in a good year, you know, come up with thirty dingers, bat near three hundred. I mean, I don't think he ever won the MVP, but I think there was a couple times he was sort of like you know considered a solid player. Nobody liked that guy. You know, he was a jerk, and nobody liked him. And not surprisingly, him and Barry Bonds hated each, each other. other. I mean, that, again, that speaks mountains. That, is, that tells you a whole lot about, you know, and nobody said he sucked. But, okay, here's, but, the, here's the thing. When you work with somebody and they hate you, because, like, Bruce Willis and what's your name didn't get along on uh, Moonlighting. Uh, you know, so sometimes it's, it's just personalities, right? I mean, you know, no, sometimes it's personalities. But when you go from a di- one team to another team to another team, <laughs> everybody hates you. Everyone, and you're the always the guy. <laughs> then it's probably. I mean, look at the okay, look, at the, look at the Lakers roster. I mean, how many times in the last Kobe's been there for what? Fourteen years or something like that. So he's played with. Like, there's nobody on the team that's been on the team as long as him, right? Right. So he's basically played with multiple different teams. And nobody <laughs> has ever said that Kobe's the bitch. He's, he's, he's an awesome a great guy. He's awesome, man. We hang at we hang during the games. We we hang after the games. I bought him to my bar mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't ever know. Nobody ever says anything like that about Kobe. Right? Nobody ever says when, well, they, when they play with him, they, they don't say anything negative about him, but they don't say anything positive. Exactly. About him. When they leave. Like they got, they got shit plenty to say. Shit to say. <laughs> so who's the problem there? All those guys that came through, 
Or that one guy. <laughs> Same thing with like Canton and Bonds and, and A-Rod. A-Rod falls in that category. And there's, there's, uh, there's always those guys, you know. Um, some, you know, fam, I don't know. That's, that's my thinking on that. I don't know. Uh, what you can do. And there's not much you can do about it for if you're the Yankees. Uh, you're stuck with the guaranteed contract. You can buy them out and sort of set them on the oh, bench. Oh, no, 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 no. Play his ass, man. I, I, I'm all for him playing during the season. I just... Hey, I just say, look, let's if as, I was long, a Yankees, as a Yankee fan, as long as he's delivering during the season, that's, that's fine. exactly what I was going to say. As long as he's, I would, he's a disruption. He's not the ideal person. However, you keep, thing, you, I don't you know. Don't make they, your trade, man. I don't know keep showing up. Um, uh, you know, but if he's going to put the numbers up, ride him. Till, oh, until the wheels fall off. Yeah. Which will be about October. Yeah. <laughs> uh, more than likely it'll be September. Exactly. Like the first week, you know. And the Yankees aren't looking especially good. They may not, it, in September, it may not make any difference. Um, yeah, it's a long no, no, way I'm not. It's a long way away, but you're it right. Is, you're but right. Just, given, just being realistic. I mean, I picked the Dodgers to end up third, so I'm not, I'm just being realistic. But the Yankees have also got deep pockets, and they can make the trades nope, to yeah. turn things shore, around. Shore things up. But the way things look now, they, they're going to hey, have hey, a... Hey, they won two games in a row. They're going to have a rough time. He's on my boys. But that being said, you've got to ride him, like you said, until the wheels fall off, man, just until that guy's... Oh, yeah. You're paying him. You're just paying him. It doesn't make any sense to... Only Al Davis is stupid enough to put a guy in the bench who's a freaking Hall of Famer right. and not play him for a couple of years, and uh, it, which actually probably preserved his career in other years, but uh, that's another story. Freaking dipshit. But anyway, let's yeah. see. The Yankees are in third place right now. Oh, it hurts. I don't mind them being in third place. I just I just mind that they're behind the Bo Sox. Yeah, they look good though, as far as just offense, man. They did a whole bunch of good moves over the over the on the off season to in their ballpark. At least at home, they should win ninety percent of the games. It seems like they because they're just gonna be crushing the ball. Oh, they're only you know they're only one game back, so sorry. That's not bad. Yeah, but that might get. It depends. It depends like with the Orioles because they had a good season last year. If they can, we just need to check back 160 games from now. Yeah, <laughs> 150 games from now. Yeah, yeah. Right around September, we'll be able to see. We'll be able to see. But yeah, the, the Yankees look. They're gonna have to. Let's put it this way: for them to make it. In How the are the Dodgers on top when they? Oh, because the uh, Padres have more losses. Padres have six losses. They won more games. Look well, at the Giants. The Dod- Look at the Giants sitting down there in the basement. I Good know. place for them, man. Yeah. Well, and the Dodgers <laughs> are playing a game, so that could that could change. That could change. Still, uh, even if they lost, it'd still be a it'd still be a game game uh, up because they, they, yeah, they, they would. They, they've only they, had, yeah. So they played they played less games. Yeah, Dodgers are off to a good start. I'm surprised. Uh, I, I love Kershaw, man. I, I oh, yeah. They still, what's, that, what's that skinny black kid's name? Is he still on the team? Did they, did they keep him? Oh, D. Gordon? Yeah, is he still No, on? they traded yeah, I him. I, I liked, liked him. Kid, yeah. Instead, they've got, uh, what's his name? Not Howie Kendrick. They've got, yeah, Howie Kendrick. Howie Kendrick, uh, who, who's good. He, he's been good for the Dodgers so far. He's had uh, two walk-off hits, game-winning hits so far, and he's, He's 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 a good fielder. He's a he's a more solid guy. But I did like D Gordon as far as he just had exuberance. You know that yeah. guy loved to play. I love and he was fast. Every time he got on base, you're like, is he gonna go? Is he gonna go? <laughs> and 
Howie Kendrick is a guy who used to steal a lot of bases. Uh, still does steal some, but you know he's getting he's in that point of his career where like he doesn't steal base just to steal base. He steals base because it makes sense. <laughs> D. Gordon was like. I, I I can do this. I'm going to steal base because <laughs> I can. You know? Told you that. <laughs> yeah, watch this. <laughs> so that made him fun. It also made him a little erratic at times, but it, it made it for some exciting. <laughs> and he always had a great attitude. I loved his attitude. Uh, so I'm not not to bag on Kendrick at all, but uh, Kendrick's a little older, a little wiser, a little you know, a little yeah. more like I got to pace myself because it's 162 games. Yes, and you know he's getting a little, little long. I think he's 36, turns 37 this year. So it's not. You know, he's just at that point. But he's still, he's been clutch. I, I like him. Is Kershaw off to the start? No, he lost his first game. Kershaw's been, right? you know, here's the thing. is For anybody else, you'd be like, Kershaw's doing pretty good. But, but for Kershaw, for Kershaw <laughs> he, he, he's not doing great. Uh, I, love, I, love, I love watching but, that guy play. You know, you also know he'll, he'll totally get that around. Uh, first game, I think it was a no decision. The second game... It was a win, but he gave up like a bunch of runs, and then now he he left the game uh, tonight. Uh, he left the game. I think he left the game. It was two nothing. So, but oh, now it's a so, two two. So he's off the hook. He's off the hook. But uh, two two in the in the what, but he pitched bottom of the ninth. Six and two thirds. I think it they was. They played at home or away. Away. The, he pitched six and two thirds. So that's a pretty decent scoreline for him, you know. But again, for Kershaw. Yeah, he pitched six innings and gave up two earned runs, nine strikeouts, and a walk. You know he's pissed. And for other guys, they'd be like, that was awesome. I kicked it. But, you know, he's really, really mad. And his ERA is at 4.07, which is, again, for Kershaw, just an ungodly number. just doesn't yeah, happen. He was 3 was three old this, this game. And, uh, no, that's April. That's April. Um is uh, is AT and T Park actually in San Francisco or is it? Oh yeah, it's beautiful. I, mean, I haven't been in it. I've been by it. I, I driven liked, past I it. I liked Candlestick personally. I liked Candlestick. I, don't, I, don't know. I wasn't a Candlestick fan as far as I loved it. I went there for about four different games. It's one, better for football one, than it was. I was for, there for one. I was there for the championship game when uh, the Rams lost to the Forty Niners. Mm. Chrissy Everett ran out of bounds with nobody near around. <laughs> Jim Everett, what's they called him, Chrissy? Mm-hmm. Jim Robe, I gotta call him Chrissy. They did freaked out because he realized that this guy he's calling Chrissy is actually an athlete who could kick his ass. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, we get messages here. Uh... <laughs> Okay, I'm getting smacked down in the chat room. Okay, it's all right. I'm getting smacked down in the chat room, smacked down on my phone. What's happening here, man? Mm-hmm. AT&T is beautiful, I'm told. Now, you've been there? No, no, I, I've driven past it. I've been past it. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful is it in the setting. Same, is it in the same location? Did they, did no. They, so what's happening with Candlestick? Is it is just sits there now? Oh, I think it's still there, isn't it? I have no I idea. I think it's being used as some sort of uh, other venue for other stuff, kind of oh. like kind of like the forum. Yeah, <laughs> I, but I'm not sure about that. To be honest with you, I don't know. I, I'm not in San Francisco often. If I have been past AT and T, and that's um, what's that called? So there's the wharf, right? It's it's near it's near the wharf. No, okay, no, no. That's what I'm saying. So there's the wharf, and then there's the Embarcadero. Yeah, the that the one, the pier, Pier 39. No, no. What is it? 
No, the famous building, the famous. I'm, I'm out of my Frisco, oh, Coit Tower? Uh, no, no, no. Um, I'm John Blanks. Yeah, because I'm about a Prudential building. I'm out of my uh, no, no, the, my San Francisco, uh, you know, points of interest, man. It's But it's right there. It's, it's. Hate Ashbury's where I am. No, 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 nowhere near there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I'm totally drawing blanks. There's apparently, no... uh, apparently a candlestick is being torn down. Fairy building? Is that what you're talking Fairy about? Fairy building. There you go. So there you go. Our listeners are great today. There you go. So it's just down the way from that. So, like, which all that used to be a very sort of industrial, because at one point it was just pure docks and all that, right? And... When the when the shipping and the fleets, fishing fleets, kind of disappeared, it just became it came sort of like an empty space. You know, there was there was financial buildings there, but not any like real. And then AT and T got built like right there. Should have built it on Alcatraz. <laughs> I do. I, lo- oh, well, I, cool. I, I like the tour. Pain ass to get to, like, but it'd be I, cool. I do, I do like Alcatraz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyhow, so it's it's it kind of what it did was it expanded. It would eliminate that the riffraff. Stretch, yeah, I did that too. Uh, so, it, it, like I said, I haven't been in it, but I've been past it a couple times, driven past it a couple times as I was in San Francisco, and uh, it looks cool. I mean, it, it? both times I was there, there was no games going on. Otherwise, I'd have, I'd have paid dollars to go to – although I heard last – was it last night? Yeah, I was listening to Vin Scully. I think it was Vin. He was telling us that they had – last night's game was something like their 350-something consecutive sellout game. Yeah. That's a hell of a well. That's, that's a, a, for baseball. That that's kind of, a hell of that a. That kind line. of tags into what I was going to say. I, I I hate to admit it, but I have to admit it. <clears throat> the the games I was at Candlesticks Park, especially the uh, the, the uh, football game, mm-hmm. the 49er fans are probably of all the. And I've been to Raider games, been to Charger games, I've been to Dodger game, you name it, Padre game, whatever. The 49er fans are probably the best set of fans as far as supporting their team. Yeah. And enjoying themselves at a game that I've ever ever been around, and and it was uh, I, I, you know, I gotta give them props for that, and I gotta give the city of San Francisco props because way back when, long before L.A. was doing anything, you know, I had tickets to the championship game, and I caught a shuttle bus outside of uh, what is that called, uh, Hard Rock Cafe, which mm. was. Now, my bearings a little off, but I was staying. I was staying down on uh, Fisherman's Wharf, and I. Okay, so AT and T Park, it, you could walk from there. It'd be a long walk, like yeah. fifteen minute walk. Well, I was staying in Fisherman's Wharf, and the 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 Hard Rock Cafe was fairly close to that. I took a shuttle. All you had to do was show a t- show a ticket. You jump on the shuttle. It was free. Dropped you off right in front of the the, the gate at uh, Candlestick Park. You uh-huh. walked in. And you came out, and it shuttled you right back there for free. <laughs> and I'm thinking, these guys have got public transportation to the, to the ballpark. And, and they had, not only that, they had an express lane for shuttle buses. So you were, we weren't bogged down in all the car traffic. Yeah. You know, you, the shuttle got you in and out. And I'm thinking, you know, this is a, good, a pretty cool system. They, they got, they they got, got, they got some some shit, shit figured, figured out. out. The other thing they got figured out is they didn't make AT&T Park giant. Right? <clears throat> They didn't make it this huge space that they can't fill every night. And uh, that's the mistake a lot of places make. Uh, they build a new stadium. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to pack them in here. And yeah. and they can't. And so then you, you end up dealing with blackouts and empty, what look like empty stadiums, even though they're – like Dodger Stadium can look empty, and there can be 35,000 fans there because it seats almost twice that. 
right. you know. Uh, so not twice that, but like a, a, a lot. It seats. It can seat up to sixty, almost fifty-seven thousand. So thirty-seven thousand people in there, you look like you got a half-empty stadium. Yeah. Whereas, if it had a much smaller stadium, it looks full. It, it you know it changes the perception of things. So uh, I don't know. I, it's beautiful from the outside. I've not actually watched a game in it. Uh, obviously, watched a lot of lots of TV. We've seen it, and uh, they done they did it good. They did good, I loved it. and I love that city anyhow. So I'm biased that way. Well, it's good. It's good that they did. I mean, you know, I tell you, you know, we're talking. <coughs> yes, last night I think the um, the who was it? Car city of Carson mm-hmm. voted to. Uh, what did they do? They voted to uh, give the go-ahead to uh, build the stadium uh, for the, the, the Ram, oh, yeah? Raiders, Raiders Charger Stadium. So, you know, it, it looks it looks like they're you know there's they're making moves. People are making moves to bring the um, you know football back to LA. And so, you think that uh, we, you know the, all the things you're talking about with the stadiums and what they're doing and all these kinds of things. You think that they might be able to create something like that. The, the positive aspects of that here in in, uh, in the LA area? I don't know. I, I I think that's a doomed enterprise. I mean, you've got the Raiders and the Chargers. You keep saying that. That just it doesn't really matter, man, because they're not playing there the same day. They they're gonna have different locker rooms. It doesn't matter. It's like the it's like the Clippers and the Lakers, man. No, no, <laughs> it's not because it's, it's not because they're they're in the same division. I mean, although that is odd. Um, the real problem is is that you've got two franchises that really just right now suck as far as ownership goes. They're not they don't have good owners. They don't have owners that have Oh, that's true. The foresight or the or the I mean, I'm not a big Jerry Jones fan, but look what that guy does. I mean, he's like, I'm gonna build the biggest, most expensive, badass stadium on the planet. And then what did he, he do? Did. He did. It. <laughs> I mean, these are two teams that they're they're way. I think the reason why they suffer as badly as they do is they are way outclassed by most of the rest of the NFL. And, and I'm a Raiders fan, so I'm bagging on my own team. There's these are two teams that don't get it. They just they don't have they don't have the vision nor the deep pockets to make something like this. Bitching. So instead, what's going to happen is it's going to be like one of these sort of in-between deals that suck. That's what I think. Um, I, I mean, I think it's going to take – I think – what's his name? Crunk, Crunky? However you say yeah. his name. I think that has a much better chance of being – I'm not saying they won't get it done. I'm just saying if it's going to happen and it's going to be cool and awesome, it's going to take somebody more like that guy. Guy who's got the deep pockets, who has shown that he's willing to here, pay the bucks. Here's the thing: both the both was him Cronky, as well as the Raiders and the Chargers have both. All three have said they're going to foot the bill to build the stadium. We're not talking about taxpayers' money, right? So that's kind of the Jerry Jones. But the, who can do that? We know the Raiders and the, the Spanish can do it. Raiders and the Chargers apparently can. They, they said they're going to foot the bill. So I'll believe it. The taxpayer money here. I'll believe that. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. 
I'll believe that when I see it because I've I lived in San Diego when the Spanos were doing their bullshit and they're they're screwing over the city multiple times and I know there's a new Davis in charge, but so far I'm not impressed. So far I'm not. Oh no 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 no! I take his dad over him any day of the week. Right. And his dad was senile. <laughs> yeah. We last last saw him. <laughs> so I just don't think either one of them have the chutzpah to really make this happen. From what I have seen, and I, I don't follow the Rams closely because don't care for him. Uh, this guy Crunky seems like he seems like he knows his shit. He seems a bit more in the you know Jerry Jones mold of like I'm gonna make this happen. I've got well, I've got the resources and the connections to make it happen. Now maybe not, but that seems way more likely. I'll tell you what. Everybody I've ever seen mention mention that stadium that Jerry Jones built. Is, they're just they speak about it with reverence. Yeah, I mean in awe. That I guess it's. I hate the Cowboys, but the you, place is just you got to res- amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I honestly can't see. I watched the AC. They, they had the ACM awards there. I was watching that. I oh, yeah? that. Yeah. So. I just can't see the Raiders and the Chargers with their the current ownership being able to pull that off. Now, if well, the NFL gets involved, like, and I mean NFL. Money, money. <laughs> then okay, maybe Things maybe move forward a lot faster and 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 more grandiose, yeah. right? Because they're not going to want kind of a second tier, subpar building built well, in the, 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 LA. They're they, going to want the, the, a showpiece. The, the, the sketches of it look amazing. Yeah. So I, I haven't seen that, so I you know I. I I will reserve like the right to say, okay, look, maybe, maybe they got their shit together. But based on what I do know, I, I just don't see it happening. I just not those two guys, but the the St. Louis guy, I could see him pulling that off, and uh, and he's got some prime real estate, really, in a lot of ways. So yeah, absolutely, and they tore down my one of my favorite racetracks for that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I liked Hollywood Park. I Santa Anita. I, I it, well, the three I have to choose from. Uh, Santa Anita and Del Mar are, are both amazing, but I, I I liked I liked Hollywood Park for the uh, history and the convenience. But it's a whole other ball, whole other yep, story. Yep. Yeah, so. so we'll see. We'll see. I you know, I still don't. I'm still not convinced that the NFL will, <laughs> will get here. Uh, well, uh, here's the interesting thing. Uh, apparently today, the, or it came out today, the Raiders, not the Raiders, the Rams put in a request to do some training here in this area this this year, uh-huh. prior to the season. And first somebody goes, well, that shows that they're making a, getting ready to make a move. But no, they have a couple of preseason games, preseason scrimmages against the Cowboys. And the Cowboys train in Santa Barbara. Because when I was playing, oh, yeah. yeah, when I was playing for that, that the one team I was telling you about, it was kind of like a semi-pro team. Uh-huh. We we trained at their facility in uh, Santa Barbara, which is a very cool facility. I mean, very very cool facility. So um, that's where that's where the uh, the Cowboys trained during the uh, during the. Um, I'm actually when my when my oldest son, I sent him to a, a receiver camp. Oh yeah. Because uh, he wanted to go to receiver camp, and then. Didn't play receiver the next year after I spent the <laughs> four hundred bucks. Still good it was skills to play. Still skills. To play. To use I spent a week at his receiver camp, but anyway, that's all of the story. I digress. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break and then come back and wrap things up. What do you say? Sounds good. You're listening to Swoops World on the Talk Star Radio Network. We're going to listen to. Uh, oh my gosh, this goes back to a 
and uh, an old uh, guest of the show, been on a couple times, and he's also in the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame under wrong, uh, One Hit Wonder, Danny Dewdrop. This is Chicka Boom. Back up to this. <laughs> Pearson from the B-52s for Rad. Getting drunk is your own business, but when you drive drunk, you make it everybody's business. Don't drink and drive. Be responsible, plan ahead, and choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives, and so should you. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, Rad, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Huh? You? The bike? Yeah, the bike. Here in the grass where the kids left me a while ago. Could you get the dust off my seat and remind the kids how fun I still am? Okay. Oh, you are dusty. I may need my spokes tightened, too. Let's go. As Native American parents and caregivers, our encouragement to healthy lifestyles for our kids is helping them get outside and play. 
Get ideas. Get involved. Get going at letsmove.gov slash Indian Country. Brought to you by USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. Talk Story Radio. My name is Mary Scholes, and you're listening to Swoop's World. I'm sorry, baby, but I tried. Sorry for telling you those lies. Sorry for messing with your Welcome back to Super Roll on the Talk Story Radio Network. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Uh, those listening on TalkStream Live, uh, of course, we uh, we had our uh, we haven't been in the chat room in a long time, so it's cool to have Stacy and Alma in the chat room. We had uh, Kristen on the phone, AD on, on the phone, and uh, we had uh, this a, this is a great night tonight. Next week, uh, DJ Coleman will be our guest uh, for the first hour. Of course, uh, uh, all the usual things. Uh, AD will be uh, tuning in with us. Brewskis, whatnot. I think T-Bone says he's going to be gone next week, too. So we we got two weeks without T-Bone. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> more beer for us. Yeah, more beer for us, man. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, you got any last big, great words of wisdom for our listeners, man? No. No, can't say that I do. As always, dream as if you'll live forever. Live as if you'll die today. Good night, all. Good night. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. 